On today's Howard Stern Show. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. This is called the Golf Course Air Horn. <laughs> Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is the Anaconda Ball Pit. Master of mutilation, Johnny Knoxville. Uh, uh, yeah, come on. Come on, little uh, mashup, Johnny Knoxville music and uh, Rob Zombie. Let's enjoy. <laughs> Come on, you love it. Yeah, that's right. Here we go. Come on. They're going to have it. Hey now, everybody. Yeah, Johnny, I'm, I'm excited to talk to Johnny. Hey I haven't spoken to him in a couple of years, and uh, I love those jackass movies. I know they're releasing it in theaters. Uh, you know, I remember the jackass movies, especially when they first came out. It was great to go to a movie theater and see them, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the, that, the, there are certain movies like Borat. Um, you know, I don't like sitting. I don't, I don't like sitting with an audience uh, watching movies. For the most part, I don't want to be around other people when I watch a movie. But watching a, a bunch of people flip out over some of those stunts is really funny. Yeah. I was uh, I was trying to remember my favorite stunts over all the Jackass movies, and one of them was when Johnny went into the yoga studio and was farting uh, during yoga, and it was just great uh, watching everybody's reaction to him farting. Just like he'd be doing all those poses, and he's like, (laughs) smelled. (laughs) And then at the end, he just, he runs out quickly, like he just shit his uh, his yoga outfit. (laughs) But, you know, in that world, putting your pants is like the height of, of activity. You know, like, you've really done it if you shit your pants. Yeah, well, yeah, Jackass is my kind of shitty pants. Yeah, Jackass is kind of my kind of humor. You know, I mean, if you think about this show over the years, it's always guys with their dicks. It's uh, <laughs> shitting, farting. In fact, I remember one of the Jackass movies. Will the Farter, who is uh, one of our guys, uh, made was it into a Jackass. One? Yeah, he was. There was what? a time where he farted. I think he was farting into musical instruments, if I remember correctly. Will the Farter was in Jackass 3D. And he farted into a trumpet, and then he they pushed his fart gas through a cigarette and handed the cigarette to Bam, and then Bam smoked it, and Bam threw up. It was like 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 around 2010. It was really funny. Oh my goodness! Yeah, throwing yeah. up and shitting. Those are the two. That's yeah. the height. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, it's like why do I love Richard and Sal so much? They yeah. have so much penis and farting jokes. That's all they farting, have, really. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how bad the world gets. Let's assume uh, Putin takes over uh, the Ukraine and, uh, you know, whatever whatever horrible things are going to happen. But farting will always be funny, no matter how bad the world gets. <laughs> Even Putin uh, farting would be funny. Uh, oh, that would be hysterical. That fucking <laughs> dickhead. You're just a fucking horrible man. Imagine there are places you live on this earth where, like, you can't vote and you can't determine your own future and you can't pick your own leader. Like, it drives me crazy that there's a China and a Russia. 
That's well, why I don't get uh, the whole. What's really amazing is everybody watches as they kill people. You know, yeah. like if he yeah. has a guy running against him for president, he kills him. All of a sudden, that guy gets sick and keels over in a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a huge part of our country that wants that here. Yeah. Oh, they don't think it could be that bad. No. Oh, my God. It's like. They're ready to give up on the whole American dream. I don't, I don't even Daddy believe Trump it. Trump would never do that. He's going to be a benevolent time. Yeah, he'll, yeah. <laughs> maybe to like the Rush Limbaugh. The, the, the biggest disgrace in, the, in that four-year period was watching Rush Limbaugh when they put a medal around his neck. I was like, yeah. you know, what is it called? The President's Medal of, medal freedom, of, medal of freedom to Rush Limbaugh. Ay, ay, ay. It was there was nothing more offensive in those four I know, years it was, than it that. It was like watching one of those Peter Sellers movies where you yeah. know, he's got a little country and he's just dictating. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. It's like a nightmare, just a nightmare. All right, let me get my mind off of that nightmare and say yeah. good morning to a couple of people, and then we'll uh, get into a whole bunch of stuff, including yeah, Johnny Knoxville. Hey, Kyle, you're on the air in Illinois. Hey now. Hey now. Hey Howard, I love the Bat Out of Hell talk yesterday. Hey I think that's one of my favorite albums of all time. But I was just curious, like, if you had to think about it, what are your three go-to albums of all time? Like, what are your uh, personal favorites? Well, first of all. Uh, like a Gary question. This is, this a, you is like lists. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, these are my Desert Island disc ball. <laughs> And then it's like, the Gary's are ridiculous. Like, Steely Dan. I'm like, you're going to bring a Steely Dan album? The last, you only have 10 albums on a desert island? First of all, I don't know where the record player's coming from and the electricity on the desert island, but all right, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll suspend disbelief. Well, they had it disbelief. on Gilligan's Island. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how uh, the professor was able to create electricity, but he couldn't get him a, you know, a little boat. <laughs> couldn't build a boat to get off of there. Fucking ridiculous. I hate lists like this because there's so much great music out there and it's impossible and it's silly. But the reason like bad out of hell, bad out of hell. I was actually listening to some meatloaf last night, remembering the dude, trying to forget that he, he could be alive if he had just taken the vaccine. But if, uh, you know, like, like bad out of hell and everything, great albums, but the, the more the hits were great, not the entire album. So you're saying, what are the three best albums where the, every song is fucking killer? Like you go, oh my God, there's not a bad song on here. And you can listen to the whole album over and over again and love it every time. If you were going to pick number one, it would have to be a Beatles album. And it's either Sgt. Pepper's or Revolver. You know, like I'm talking about every song is mind blowing, mind blowing, you know, and Sgt. Pepper's had benefit of Mr. Kite, which, you know, it's okay. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. It. <laughs> Revolver had every song great. So Revolver might actually, I mean, Rubber Soul too, but Revolver might beat out. I mean, I'd probably say Sgt. Pepper's, but Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is number one. And then the other album that comes to mind, when I'm saying every song blows your fucking doors off, uh, the second Led Zeppelin album, you know, with Heartbreaker, Into Living, Love and Made, into like he could almost recite the entire album. Every song is fucking great. Like if I put that whole album on, we it's mesmerizing. It's like, oh, my God, every song is great. There's not a clunker in the fucking collection. And then uh, 
I was going to say Exile on Main Street, but there are a couple of clunkers on there. Exile on Main Street is one of the greatest Rolling Stones. I love that album. It's got great, but it's not every song is killer. Sticky Fingers, maybe, uh, but... I, I would almost well, even say... like for a rebuttal... Wait a minute, I he's think, not uh, done. I'm not done. I'm, you asked me, I'm thinking off the top of my head, you know... Fleetwood Mac rumors. Every song is great, but it's a I little too wimpy. Album, yeah. I don't. I don't want to put that on there because I got. If I got to pick a third, if I'm going to do Zeppelin, the Beatles, I'd have to even consider who would Jimi you Hendrix. Consider? Jimi Hendrix experience because mm. when I first heard that album to the to, to this day, and I'm getting to be an old man. Yeah, I'm an old man, but <laughs> get every song. When do you know you're there. <laughs> in about ten years, I'll be old. Uh, <laughs> Every song on on Jimi Hendrix's experience is mind blowing. Even that, th- what is it, the third stone from the sun or whatever? Even that's yeah. a little trippy, but it's every fucking song. Israeli Gears is the same way, but I'm not. I'm not going to put because Eric Clapton's becoming a douchebag. I gotta. I gotta take he my hand off. Kicked there. off the list because of douchebag. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> him with the vaccine. Yeah, with his douchebaggery. <laughs> I'll tell you another album that's in there is Pearl Jam's Ten. Every fucking song on there. Well, I was going to uh, say you gotta update. You can't just leave it to the the sixties and the seventies. Yeah, I know. You I'm an old man. Talk about these great musicians well, of today. Eddie Vedder. I don't know where Eddie Vedder sent me. He's got a new solo thing coming out. I don't know if it's out yet or so. I don't know if I'm supposed to, you know, they, these guys give you an album. They say, yeah. don't talk about it. So I don't know, but the they first three the songs yet. Yeah. The first three songs on Eddie Vedder's new solo project coming out are some, some of the best music I've ever heard in a long time and a really long time. Like I was like, whoa, they caught me right away. I didn't have to give mm. it a second listen. I was like, oh fuck, this guy's onto something. And I bet you Pearl Jam's pissed because they should have given it. He should have given it to them, but he yeah. didn't. Why can't we play on those songs? <laughs> um, people would put Beach Boys' "Pet Sounds" on there, but that's bullshit. It's not a great album. Um, look, look, uh, you know there are musicians who bow to the Beach Boys, uh, but that's like a no, musician thing, not a I don't care people listening it's, thing. No, you take it. I'm a, I'm a, I was a professional disc jockey. I worked at some of the greatest radio stations. Well, some of the shittiest radio stations that we made. Great. Really? Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about here. Beach Boys are not in the top three. So I'm going to go with uh, the Beatles, either Revolver and Sgt. Pepper, Zeppelin 2. And um, equivocated. You got to pick. OK, OK. Jesus. No, you say either this one. What are we coming yeah, back Robin, for the third round? <laughs> Robin loves. Brackets? Robin wants. Robin wants an answer immediately. She doesn't. She doesn't clarity. tolerate. <laughs> she's like a school teacher over there. Don't give me your bullshit essay. Give me the answer. Well, I'm thinking out loud. Come on, I gotta hold it. Uh, I'm being interrupted by Gary Audiobook. What do you want to say, Gary? So these are 10 records that if I had to go to a desert island, I could only bring them with me, what would I bring? Well, no surprises here. You know I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, so I would definitely no, we bring don't. Born to Run. It's my favorite of all his records, and it was just a time and place in my life where I could just go from the beginning to the end and love every song. Oh, spare me, Asia, Gary. It was really a time and place. I really love that band, and I really Asia love that record. Asia, Steely, Dan. In New York Get the fuck the- off my phone with that list. 
But I love that it was, it was a time and place in his life that he could listen to every song. What are you and, talking about? And we all and we all uh, know that he loves. As you Bruce all Springsteen. know, yes. <laughs> he thinks he thinks he's the star. He thinks it's the Gary Dalabati show. <clears throat> we don't all know that you're a Bruce Springsteen fan. Well, as you all know, I'm a Bruce. As you all know, I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. Well, well, who knows? Beside your family. Who are you? We don't yeah, even yeah, know like, you. Oh, he's so taken with himself. We, we, we. No. It's Howard Stern. We all know what I'm a fan of. Not you. As you all know, I'm a fan of Bruce Springsteen. It's no secret. No surprise. As you all know, I'm a size 38. <laughs> as you all know what a pompous thing to put in his book as you all know but like when he says all oh, does he mean the entire country does he mean the world does he mean the Who's howard stern audience to? i don't i sit Who's and listen to that audience who all knows what he likes <laughs> i sit and listen to every word that comes out of that big tooth mouth and i didn't know like i don't consciously walk around and go you know i know gary's a big bruce Springsteen <laughs> fan i really don't <laughs> i mean I barely remember that Gary likes Bruce Springsteen, and I've been his boss for 40 years. Like, so but as I you also all know, question how he says, I, it was a time in my life when I could listen to every song. Well, why are you taking, you don't listen to it anymore? Oh, because he's so busy as the executive producer of the Howard Stern Show. Oh. He has no time to listen to music now, I which is total horseshit. I see what he's doing. He's busy with crossword <laughs> puzzles. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a jigsaw puzzle. Jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, not even a crossword puzzle. That I wouldn't object to. <laughs> As you all know, Gary has more free time than ever now. I mean, he has more enough time to go up in that little attic of his with his discs and listen. Well, you know, he, he doesn't commute. So that's yeah. all this new time he found. You know what he had the, word, the nerve to say out loud? Well, I don't know, boss. I like this working from home. I never want to go back to the studio. And I'm like, you're going back to the studio, dude. <laughs> Fuck you. Who care what you like? I don't know. I never. Cause I don't like when the guys stare at me and comment on everything I do. Nobody I go, well, that's can your value. Plantains. Yeah. Nobody can watch me steal bagels and black and white cookies. Yeah, I'm cozy here, Bob. I can't <laughs> wait till we get back to the studio just so Jason can watch everything that goes into Gary's mouth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let, make everybody watch it. Like, have somebody assigned yeah. every moment. We're going to have a viewing party of Gary <laughs> eating and Gary sleeping and Gary whatever he's doing. But, uh, yeah. Fucking Gary. As everyone knows, I love Bruce Springsteen. You know, and I've des described the the psychology of a radio audience to Gary a million times. Gary's known me a lot of years, and the first thing I always said to Gary, because he's an executive producer, I said, "Gary, understand something about radio. All the little minutia, our audience, maybe there's point oh one percent of the audience who's a devoted follower, like Marianne from Brooklyn, who knows everyone's name, who knows who you know." Steve from Florida is or this Gary. I said most of the audience listens casually they listen maybe a, a big listen would be 15 minutes and in that 15 minutes they kind of know who Wendy the slow adult is but they but you got to keep telling them over and over again who she is 
Most people do not listen with the intent. So what does he do? He writes a book on his own. He doesn't vet it with me. And the first thing you read is, as all of you know, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. No, nobody (laughs) knows you're a Bruce. Nobody cares about you, Gary. Oh, it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. I've explained this concept to you know that most of our audience thinks I work with Robin Givens. <laughs> now, Robin has been with me for 500 years. The name Quivers is uh, every day I say Robin Quivers over and over again. And still, the audience thinks I work with Robin Givens. <laughs> well, and I've explained it. It's not right? that they get us confused. I'll go right. out and they'll say, oh, it's Robin Givens. <laughs> right. They, 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 now, now, Robin understands this because, you know, <laughs> she's intelligent. I say to Gary, Gary, people don't know. They don't know. They think Robin is Gary. Robin Givens, the actress. No, I know that, both. You don't have to keep, you over-explain everything. That's what he always tells me. You over-explain oh, everything. You right? don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, because you don't get it. Then he writes a book. As you all know, I'm a Bruce Springsteen. In other words, you all know this already. He's reminding you. No surprise here. <laughs> no, I mean, have him call back with that same uh, rap. I want to hear no surprise here. I got to hear no surprise. I got to hear it again. As you all know, Gary. I'm a chocoholic. Oh, I've had double knee replacement. Uh, you all know this I don't already. Eat vegetables. <laughs> right. I don't like vegetables. My mother drove me crazy. And my father was a good guy. I have five uh, kidney stones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love scotch. You know that already, so I don't even put it in the book. <laughs> and I have toe fungus, but you knew that already. Can you imagine the nerve that he thinks every? That's like if like. David Letterman's producer wrote a book. And as you all know, I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. And I and I enjoy pickleball. That's my new hobby. Pickleball. Get the fuck out of here. I love nuts, but not the peaty ones. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> as you all know, I went to Adelphi University. First, like, like, no, no one knows you. No one cares about you, Gary. Here. Hi, Gary Audiobook. Hello? Well, no surprises here. You know, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, so I would definitely bring Born to Run. It's my favorite of all his records, and it was just a time and place oh, in my life. Oh, I can't take it. I hung up on him again, <laughs> as you all know. I mean, years I've drilled into him about my knowledge of radio audiences. You know? You know, people say, like, hardcore listeners of our show go, how come you always kind of, you know, have to tell people who Wendy the slow adult is or Eric the actor? Because most people don't know. They're not living. This this delusion that everyone is listening every minute to everything we say. No surprises here. No, Gary, they're all surprises. (laughs) (laughs) I've told them this. Over and over and over again, I've I've imparted my wisdom. And this is why I waste my breath around here. (laughs) He doesn't get it. No, I get it now, Boff. Back then, I didn't get it. I wish I could get in a time machine because I get it now. As you know, when I watch porn, I watch teen anal. No, you said that once on the radio. 
and three people heard it at that exact moment and retained it. Anyway, getting back to my top three. (laughs) (laughs) The whole morning is ruined. (laughs) Desert Island disc list. Why do people want to know what he'd bring to a desert island? Who would, who would, that's so arrogant. If you wind up on a desert island, I doubt if you have time to stop and pick up some records. Yeah, but you want to know something? He would end up on a desert island. I could see him taking a wrong turn <laughs> and ending up like for the rest of his life eating the fucking, uh, I don't know, sand and ants. <laughs> and there it is, the record player. <laughs> it's funny. I had a feeling I'd be lost. to have that with him. <laughs> I didn't bring any water with me. Just brought a little uh, a portable record player. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's already ruined my day, and he hasn't even come on the air live yet. <laughs> How do you manage to do that? An audio book oh, called in. Oh, my goodness. Drives me crazy. Everything drives me crazy. Oh, I had a rough day. My mom wasn't feeling well, so she calls me, and I got to solve all those problems. Mm. I wrote Robin about it last night a little bit, but how's she doing? Is she okay? She's okay. She's not okay. She's just, quite frankly, she's miserable. I wish yeah, I could wave a magic like a wand. A lot of things are bothering her lately. I know. And Beth said to me, "You know, you're not Jesus Christ. You can't fix your mother." And I'm like, "But I kind of am Jesus Christ." You know, I, I <laughs> my mother thinks I am, <laughs> and I'm not living up to my expectations. Yeah, I, I, you know, you know, my mother, honestly, she's been like suffering in her, you know, to me, her whole life, you know, oh, everything is like, it's horrible, this one, that one, and then now it's like, it's becoming ingrained in me that I have to save her. And uh, it's out of my power. Yeah, I know. It's very frustrating for you not to have the solution. Well, thank God for Dr. Schlafmitz. God bless this guy. I got to give him a shout out. He was helping me yesterday. What are? Was he? That loves Dr. Schlafmitz. Oh, thank God for Dr. Schlafmitz. She didn't even say that yesterday. She's feeling so shitty. Because he he examined her and everything. And then he said, she's fine. And then she gets on the phone to me. But I'm still in pain. And I'm like, oh, no, what do I do? I go, did you tell Dr. Schlafmitz your stomach? Yes. He wants me to see a different doctor. And I'm like, okay. You know, a specialist. Yes. Meditating doesn't help her pain. Uh, I know. I, Dude, I tried meditates that. meditates for hours. I know. I said, well, what did you You meditated yourself right into a situation. <laughs> Listen, meditation helps, but she's 93 years old. My dad's no fun anymore. I go, does dad know what's going on? And she goes, I don't know what he knows. <laughs> I mean, she's she's wrecked, you know. She's got a shitty fucking situation. And I tried to calm her down last night. Yeah, because then she said, does Alan, Ellen's my sister, as everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 she goes, does Alan know I was with the doctor yesterday? I go, how the fuck do I know? I don't know what Alan knows. 
I, I mean, if you told her, she knows. I didn't know. I was working yesterday. Uh, you know what the worst part of seeing your parents age? You know in the back of your mind, you're looking at your future. That's right. You know? that, it's a terrible, terrible hall you're looking down. It's the, the your oh, road. I know. And then I was thinking, like, Beth, like, I do the math all the time. Like, when I'm, like, 80-something, Beth will be, like, my age now, and she'll be fine, and I'll, and I'll be shitting what my pants. Be? <laughs> I'll be like, I got to go to the doctor. <laughs> She'll be like, why did I marry this asshole? You know? You, you'll be shitting your pants and it won't be a stunt. <laughs> yeah. And Beth and Beth will be me having to deal with all the other shit I deal with. Yeah. But, uh... Oh, man. I anyway, I Kyle. You, I saw that um, mm. once I saw Tony Randall. Now, Tony Randall had this long marriage where they never yeah. had kids. Yeah. And then I don't... I don't remember exactly how old he was when he his wife died and he was miserable for a couple of years and then he found this new woman, young woman. She wanted yeah, to have kids. kids. He was eighty something. <laughs> and he had kids. I saw I saw the family walking down the street. Yeah. The wife and the kids were half a block ahead. Oh God. Because he couldn't keep up with them. Yeah. And they were running and jumping off the curbs and then jumping up on the next curb at the, you know, the other side of the corner. And Tony yeah. would get to the end of the street and he'd stand there for like five minutes. And then his foot would come out and he'd try to make it down to the next I know, level that's horrible. the curb. It that's was just good. awful. I know. All right, let me get back to this question of Kyle's top three albums. Yeah, I know you're getting cranky. Rest. You're getting cranky with my answer, so here it is. Sergeant Pepper, Zeppelin II, and uh, I'm going to pick between Jimi Hendrix, Exile. I'm going to say Jimi Hendrix Experience. Okay, Kyle, there it is. Okay, well, I appreciate that. I, if I can offer anyone up to you to think about, it would be Boston's first album. I think no. every oh, song wow. on that. No. Oh, it's a great on. album. It's on the radio it's a great all the time. Al- You're going to put that in the top three albums of all time? You're talking about your top three is Boston? Get off the phone, Kyle. What are you doing? You got a ten ear, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Let me see. Let me tell you. Gary, I'm so sorry this turned back on you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Gary fucked the whole thing up. As you know. (laughs) Gary's not even saying it. That was not my intention. Uh here. Here's a game, Kyle. We'll play. You want to play games and lists and things? Here it is. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to mention two concerts that you could go to. All right? These bands are, are, picture them in their prime, and you could see them. You tell me which concert you would go to, okay? Would you go to see Cream? Would you go to see Cream? Or the Jimi Hendrix Experience? Jimi Hendrix. Of course. Of course you would. As well, great you as could cream, put Boston in any one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Would you or go Boston. to see Boston or Cream? <laughs> that wasn't a choice. No, the, the, he did. He he answered it correctly. You'd be hearing Jimmy doing this live. Do I win? Nothing. <laughs> then on, on this show, we have no budget for you to win anything. <laughs> um, would you rather see? Okay, here's a hard one. 
You could see Led Zeppelin in their prime when John Bonzo Bonham was alive, or the Beatles when they were together. Ooh. Oh. oh here, I'll help you. Here's, uh, here's Zeppelin. Hey, hey, Mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. Or... Oh, wow. I know the answer to this. Who would you go see? Well, the only thing is that I don't think I'd be able to hear the Beatles because uh, of all the screaming. So I guess no, that's I would a silly Led Zeppelin. No, no, no. I saw <laughs> Led Zeppelin in their prime. You want to see the Beatles. Led Zeppelin was great. I saw Led Zeppelin, and that's why I choose the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's the answer is the Beatles. You're wrong. You would go see the Beatles. All right, you ready? It's going to get harder for you now. Who would you rather see in their prime? Black Sabbath. Or the legendary Allman Brothers Band. With Dickie Betts, Dwayne Allman, Greg Allman, you know, in their prime. Who do you go see? Well, I'm going to get this wrong because I love Paranoid, so I'm going to see Black Sabbath. That's the right answer. Paranoid, that that's right. right. Of course, you go. You always go to see Ozzy over the Allman Brothers. Okay, good. You got that right. I'm surprised you got that right. That you, yeah, I'm shocked that you three. said Boston when you've been right on all these. <laughs> all right. In their prime, Prince... Or well, if you play this song, he never oh, this is a live. great song. I don't give a shit. <laughs> this is a genius song. Uh, or the Godfather of Soul himself, James Brown. Answer wrong, and I'll hang up on you. <laughs> I think I have more fun with James Brown, so I'm going to see. Of course him. you would. That's right, James Brown. Of course you'd go see James Brown. James Brown was. The closest thing to God live you'll ever see. It was unbelievable. And plus, Prince doesn't perform with the lights on, so let him go fuck himself. I love <laughs> I the guy. with lights on. <laughs> you saw him with lights you on? You waited too long. <laughs> By the way, Prince was unbelievably great, but you'd have to go see but James But he was Brown. no James Brown. In That's fact, right. he took a lot of stuff from James Brown. That's right. But if I'm going to be honest, it's like choosing... Which of my testicles would I rather have, my left testicle or my right testicle? They both mean everything to me. Uh, they do. <laughs> All right. So far, you're not doing bad. Would you rather see John Lennon when he was at the height of his solo career? Or David Bowie. Almost an impossible choice, but you got. Hey, you gotta make a choice. You gotta make a choice. Who do you pick, Kyle? Yeah, that this is probably the toughest one. Uh, mm. I think I'd have. You know, I think I'd see John Lennon. Yeah, I think I would too, and I hate He's to say that. I, I'd have to go with Bowie. Really? 
I don't know about yeah. that. I think I think I have to throw you off the show, Robin. Unfortunately. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Your last appearance. <laughs> well, this guy's doing very well, in my opinion. Uh, I was afraid I'd have to cancel his subscription to SiriusXM if he had gotten yeah. it wrong. When a person calls you and says something about Boston being the greatest right. album, you can't imagine they could make these choices correctly. He redeemed himself, though. Okay, one last one. Let me see. Now, you answer this one right, and you win. There's no prize, but you win, okay? <laughs> All right. It's that feeling of self-satisfaction that you answered correctly. Being right. <laughs> In their heyday, oh. Queen... Or, or, it just so happens, Robin, I have two tickets to see Van Halen in their prime. Oh, no. I know the answer to this, but I'll see if you guys know. I do, too. Now, get this one wrong, and I'll trigger a trap door underneath you, Kyle, that I have installed in your home, and you will fall into a pit full of alligators. Who do you go see? Queen or Van Halen? Well, it's funny you mentioned these two because I called in about the greatest rock band before, and no questions asked. I would see Queen. Brian May, Roger Taylor, John Deacon, and the great Freddie Mercury, you cannot pass that up. Nah, you're wrong. It would be Van Halen. Oh, you're going with no, Van Halen. Oh, no, I'd see Queen. I love Queen. I love Queen, but it would be Van Halen. Come on. Oh, my God. First of all, seeing Eddie Van Halen play, and no offense to Brian May, great guitarist. Oh, my God. And, you know, he plays with that coin and the whole thing. Uh, but Eddie Van Halen... He was the greatest guitar player of all of time. Frontman. Yeah. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But you got to. Van Halen, every song is pretty much great. And especially those when, when I Eddie started well. Van Halen, and I've seen them several times. You know, in the Queen catalog, there's a bunch of clunkers. There's a, there's, there's a few. Come on. True. Let's see. All right. Night at the Opera. Bicycle. Uh, was, <laughs> no, Bicycle's great. And fat bottom girls, it, but it's not bicycle, the song. bicycle. I like to ride my bicycle. I like to ride my bike. I like to ride my bicycle. <laughs> well, um, you did well. It's a good thing you won because uh, had you lost, you would have had Benji moving in with you into your apartment. <laughs> Benji needs a place to live, right? Yeah. I'm let's, stuck let's, the vortex. Yeah. And David Lee Roth, man, in his prime, doing those 10-foot split jumps off the drum riser, it was pretty spectacular to see. It really was. It was something. Yeah, you know, now you, you forget it. was something. It was great. And I never got to wrong. see him. No, neither did I. I did get to see Van Halen with yeah. Sammy Hagar, and that was a fucking show and a half. One I of the best saw rock Van shows. Halen with David Lee Roth and with Sammy Hagar. Come over here now. Yeah, you get your prize for seeing both. <laughs> get over here, Robin. Here's a prize for you. And I don't want to tell you what it is. You're just going to see it and you can hop right on it. Good for you, Robin. <laughs> she always outdoes me. Always. I can't win. 
I go, I saw Van Halen with David. I saw both. And I'm like, well, that's it. Game over. <laughs> you always win and I lose. But you knew that because Gary told you you know that already. <laughs> Where is Gary? Why, Why is he it? hiding from me? I he know. He's not coming out. He's under his desk. <laughs> he should immediately come out and take his beating when I... Uh, how yes, dare I'm you here, ride in your boat? I, I, how dare I, I'm you? I'm here. Your mother yelled at you, and now I'm here to take the abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Gary takes the abuse from my mother. I'm really, really yelling at my mom instead of Gary Delabati. And Gary's mom is gone, so she can't call my mother and complain. I am free yeah, you can get to away yell. With it now. <laughs> I can get away with yelling at Gary, and his mom can't attack me. Gary is my whipping baba boy. No, I love Gary. I do. And by the way, I'm going to give special credit. Gary put together that list of either ors. Would you rather go see Cream or would you rather go see this one? That was, and a, it was very a very good list. Yes. Gary. And uh, this, I know people at home think Gary's my big tooth punching bag, Gary! but he is not. We uh, we have a finely orchestrated show, and uh, I will apologize to Gary 65 times after the show. <laughs> I do want to say one thing, though. Uh, it's yeah. important for me. It's a little thing. I'm a size 36, Please. not a 38. Okay. And um, everybody knows that, Gary. <laughs> but you understand without without getting angry. You understand my point. In other Gary. words, people really don't know that Bruce Springsteen. I mean, if for you to think that people know that Bruce Springsteen is your favorite, it's I ridiculous. think that if you would have read the book, by the time you got no. to the list, it was in the book a lot. Is, is I see. In other words, your defense is if you were reading the book, there were several mentions of Bruce Springsteen earlier in the book, right? And then by the time you got to your Desert Island disc list, it would be obvious. That you would choose Bruce Springsteen. Now, uh, okay, all right, fair enough. How did I do Bruce apologize. Springsteen get in his book several times? Well, I've been well, going to he, see him since I was fourteen years old. I've seen him over a hundred times, I think. <laughs> he is great, Bruce Springsteen. There's no question about it. So there you go. I I personally think that Bruce Springsteen's solo work, uh, especially some of those acoustic albums, uh, I think is even more mind blowing than uh, the big hits, so to speak. But that is my opinion. But my opinion counts around here. As you all know, I believe Bruce Springsteen's acoustic music is much stronger than his. <sighs> I'm tired. We did enough show. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> that was enough. That's <laughs> <laughs> enough. This was exhausting. But I wanted to um, ask you, you know, we were talking about uh, Van Halen. I see that Valerie Bertinelli, because one of the times I saw Van Halen, Valerie was running around backstage because she and Eddie were dating. And now she's written a book. And I guess she says in the book, Eddie was the love of her life. Mm -hmm. But she's had another husband. <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did he do? I wonder how that guy feels. How does he play guitar, that guy? <laughs> he doesn't play guitar at all. Unless she was, the other husband was Hendrix. I get where she's coming from. <laughs> Uh, I, I just, hate to, you know, she's now divorced from that guy, too. But, you know, he lived with her for, I don't know, 12, 15 years. And she was still in love with Eddie. I have a terrible announcement to make. Um, I used up all my energy being mad at Gary about an old book. And now I can't go on with the show. I'm, I'm just I'm out of gas. That's it. 
Gary. <laughs> what about Johnny Knoxville? Forget it. It's Gary's fault. He ruined the show today with his <laughs> Desert Island disc list. Just suck three hours out of me. I, I, I was all juiced up. I had a full tank when I came down here. And now I'm exhausted. Um, all right, Kyle, there's your answer. Now you know what the top albums are of all time. Thank you. And no, everyone Howard, agrees. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, and everyone yeah. agrees with me. So that's a good thing. Oh. <laughs> um, pocket. Oh, Pocket in California. Hey, okay, pal. Hey, now, pal. Uh, you hear the news about uh, Neil Young and um, Joe Rogan and Spotify? Yes, I did. In fact, Jerry O'Connell, the uh, the fabulous actor Jerry O'Connell, who is lucky enough to be married to Rebecca Romaine, formerly Stamos, now O'Connell, emailed me yesterday. He has my email. I don't know who gave it to him. I don't know how, but he seems to uh, send me things all the time. I believe Robin leaked it out. I, who knows? I blame her. <laughs> I don't her. even have your email. What are you talking about? Right, I that's true. I couldn't possibly have done that. <laughs> then it must have been that Baba Fufi. <laughs> no, but Jerry Jerry O'Connell sent me this. Gary. And I was quite... I am moved by Neil Young. And I'll tell you why I'm moved by Neil Young. And I've said it a million times, and we've had him on the show. This is a man of integrity who states what he feels. He doesn't... Wor- he is what used to be what a rock star was. They live in their reality, and they are passionate, and they're involved with the world in a way as it's artists. not an act. No, he says what he feels, and he does what he feels. And Neil Young, I read this, and I, I, and, and I was having trouble opening up the article for some reason, but it says, Neil Young demands Spotify remove... All of his music from Spotify over false information about vaccines. Had you heard about this, Robin? No, this is news yeah. to me. Um, he, he, he basically said, on his website. Yes, he said they can have, uh, th- he refers to Joe Rogan, but there are others on there evidently who are against the vaccine and spread some really wild information. And, you know, just this past week, I was getting aggravated reading an article about how all of this vaccine misinformation gets out there. And it turns out there are about 12 sources that literally go out of their way to make up conspiracy theories about the vaccine. And as you know, even like with uh, Meatloaf, he didn't take the vaccine and now he's dead, you know. And do um, you know they've now taken over all of his music and they play it at anti-vax rallies? Yes. He's a hero at the anti- He's dead, unfortunately. He's dead, but he's a hero. To them. And, and, uh, evident, listen, I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I know Joe from a hundred years ago. We're no longer friendly. We were friendly at one point. I didn't know what, I didn't, I just knew him as a funny guy, as a comedian, and also was the host of, uh, I knew him before he was on Fear Factor, actually. Uh, so, uh, I know that his podcast is very popular, they say. So, uh, you know, he gets a hundred million for that. That's what stuck out to me. Well, listen, God, listen, I am for any performer who can get any money and get paid. You know how I feel about this. You know how I feel. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> As you know, no surprise. Yeah. No surprise here. I support Joe Rogan getting 500 million. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm happy for any 
young man or woman who can get paid in show business because so many people do not get paid. And uh, so those that can, God bless. It ain't easy. It's not an easy road. And attracting an audience is not easy. And uh, again, I don't know what Joe Rogan is. I'm not versed on what Joe Rogan is saying about the vaccine. I really don't know. I don't know if the man's vaccinated or not. Well, you know, he got COVID and he was saying I take ivermectin. That's what you know. Right. Yes, I do know that. And, And that's irresponsible. But for whatever reason, when I had Neil Young on, he made a really strong point of saying this was just a few weeks ago. He he was talking about Neil Young was talking about when he was a young boy, he contracted polio and it has plagued him for his whole life. He says, I don't have any feeling on the left side of my body when I'm up there playing guitar for you. I can't feel, you know, like like literally he has been handicapped by polio. And he was talking about the polio vaccine and how everyone in the country took it. And if everyone had been, you know, on the Internet back then, they didn't have an Internet. So people couldn't spread these ridiculous conspiracy theories, how they're going to turn into magnets and all this other bullshit. And, you know, he he talked about how important the covid vaccine was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I guess he finally said to himself, I don't give a fuck. Of course, I want to be on Spotify. But if Spotify isn't going to at least fact check some of the shit they put on. Then then, uh, you know, he, he's not I don't think he's for censorship. I don't think Neil Young is for censorship. I just think he's saying, look, I don't want to be part of this organization because if my music is helping people bring people to the table and then they're spreading something as lethal as don't take the vaccine, do this. Mm, that makes you know, sense. He, yeah, I, you know, I'm against any kind of censorship, really. You know, I really am. I don't like censorship. But when you're talking about life and death, like poor Meatloaf got sucked into some weird fucking cult and somehow really believed that he he made a statement. I'd, ra- I'm, I'd rather die a free man than take that vaccine. And now he's dead. And I guarantee you, I wish the family would come forward and say, you know, when Meatloaf was laying there in the hospital and he couldn't breathe, he said, I made a mistake. I should have taken the vaccine. Like all these anti-vaxxers, they all say, I made a mistake. But they're out there spreading it. So Neil Young, in my book, can do no wrong. This guy is a man of conviction. You might think, well, hey, Neil Young, it ain't going to do any good. But Neil Young, this is Neil Young's belief. And Neil Young doesn't bow to any man or woman. Or, or corporation. And he comes off like like a real like a real hippie like like some of the older hippies I know from around here yeah. at Ashbury, like just classic integral, uh, cool like actually cool. He's the coolest, and Neil Young, uh, God bless him, is a man of conviction. And here's well, here's know, what I'll a lot say: of people conviction uh, with a conviction, but he takes a stand. He does. And Neil Young does what Neil Young wants to do. And he doesn't give a fuck what society says. He doesn't He doesn't conform. And he is probably one of the great... I mean, talk about the greatest albums of all time. It's either Harvest or... Um, oh, God. Where do you... Where do you... Even even at that Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young album, there isn't a bad track on it. Oh, God. I mean... Neil Young, uh, Crazy Horse. Oh, my God. I mean, I mean, come on. What are we talking about? So, yeah. I admire Neil Young, and let's see what he said here. 
Neil Young posted a since-deleted letter to his management team and record label demanding that they remove his music from Spotify. Quote, I am doing... Why is it removed? I am doing I this know. because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. Please act on this immediately today and keep me informed of the time schedule. Uh... Young was referencing the steady stream of misinformation about vaccines that Joe Rogan has peddled on the Joe Rogan Experience. Last month, 270 doctors, physicians, and science educators signed an open letter asking Spotify to stop spreading Rogan's baseless claims. So, uh, look, I I like to see, um, I think it would be great. I don't know what the answer is, but Neil Young is a man of integrity. And uh, I don't want to see I don't want to see Joe Rogan canceled. I don't want to see Neil Young canceled. I don't want to see anybody. I just he didn't call for that. He just said, I'm not going to participate. That's it. And, you know. Everything's about everything in this world is about money. You know, it's it really is. It comes down to it. If Spotify feels that they're going to lose money because they're spreading this information and people are dying. You know, if you live in that bubble, it's unbelievable. Like I was, um, this is, um, remind me guys, what is this? This was, uh, uh, Candace Owens. I don't know who she is. She's some conservative type who's against the vaccine. If you live in that bubble, uh, where all you hear all day is how dangerous the vaccine is, you really start to believe it. This is the problem. And people are dying. And, and, uh, it's really fucking dangerous to play uh, with life and death like that. Honestly, it's not funny. Well, what's really amazing is, you know, I was reading an article this morning. And they fun. were talking about how these, you know, what it's happening, what's happening to people and polling people to see what they believe about vaccines and, and COVID. And more Republicans are dying than Democrats. I know. And it's like, well, well, how do you... Put those two together. You're anti-vax. You want a world that looks like something, and you're willing for everybody to to possibly die who believes the same thing you do. I remember Neil also. I should mention uh, didn't like Trump using his music, and he put a stop. Right, to it. he took that Trump away. Was, yeah, t- uh, t- Trump was walking out when he was campaigning to. Uh, um, now, isn't that something song? that artists should be concerned with when they're going to sell their catalogs? Yeah, of course, that they have no control over it. Uh, yeah, that's the reason some artists won't. Uh, Neil Young wouldn't, he said he's, he sold some of his catalog to a responsible person who he knows would do the right thing, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, he retains um, some control. You know, if I went on the radio every day and told people that I believe they are driving on the wrong side of the highway, that really you should not be driving to your right. Would I get in trouble? I believe I would. I would hope that I would. There are certain things you don't do, uh, especially give out shitty medical information. You know. And uh, But these people are willing to die for it. There was a woman who, you know, was anti-vax vehemently and said, my freedom is more important than the, you know, taking the vaccine. Yeah. And she's dead now. Yeah, well. I wanted to tell you, so uh, Trump and uh, Bill O'Reilly, what a pair, 
those two uh, went out on a tour and Trump got booed because he said he took the vaccine, and that, which oh, yeah. caught him by surprise. So this this is Candace Owens. Again, I don't know who she is, uh, but the guys who gave me this tape, I, I, I didn't find this tape on my own. And she's explaining why Trump is into the vaccine. And listen, this is the bubble that these people live in. He just genuinely believes that the vaccines are good. And he believes that because he comes from a generation like people, you oftentimes forget like how old Trump is. He comes from a generation. I've seen other people that are older have the exact same perspective. Like they came from a time before TV, before Internet, before being able to conduct their independent research, you know, and everything that they read in a newspaper if that was pitched to them, like they believed that that was a reality. I believe also that he only reads the mainstream media news. Believe it or not, I do not believe that Trump reads um, or partakes in any other news sources. Yeah, so what Candace Owens is saying, first of all, she's insane because uh, she's saying that Trump grew up before TV. Uh, you know, Betty White was on TV her whole life. Trump had she TV his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trump isn't that old, number one. Number two, the reason Trump uh, believes in vaccines is he's, he, he's aware that polio and other uh, uh, horrible diseases that leveled the planet were stopped by vaccines. Not only that, he had COVID, and it scared the crap out of him. Yeah, he was afraid he was going to die. And this Candace Owens says, you know, he didn't grow up on the Internet where you could do your own research. Do your own research means go to some wacko's fucking website and where he makes up a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, don't know the source, but believe what they say. Yeah. Well, anyway, so my answer on Neil Young is this. Uh, Neil is a man of conviction. He doesn't want to be associated with Spotify if they're putting out bullshit stories. And I get it. I get it. Um, that's Neil. But you have to wonder why it was taken down. That I don't know. Let's see. With an estimated. Hold on a sec. I'll see what it says. Maybe at the bottom of the article. He is a, he is a genuinely removed, oh. hip dude. I'm so impressed. Young removed most of his music from Spotify several years ago because he felt the sound quality on the service was too low. He ultimately relented. I want people to hear my music no matter what. They have to get through to do it. I just want to make it so they can hear a lot more and enjoy it a lot more. Blah, 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 blah. But he Maybe because it's like an internal letter to his uh, publishers or lawyers or whatever. His group. Maybe, maybe. Took it down. That's what that's called. Yeah, that could be. Young's letter was addressed to his manager and a Warner executive. Press time Spotify hadn't responded to a request from Rolling Stone asking if they planned to remove Young's music. It's still available, um, but it might be smart to listen to Zuma and Russ never sleeps while you can. So, anyway, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's a Neil Young situation. It is a but shitty situation. To, you know, I, this, you've got viruses all over the place from God knows where for all all of time with more and more people occupying the planet. Um, it's a crappy situation, but we do have science on our side and we can protect ourselves. Yeah, that's it. You, you, you hit it right on the head Good for you pocket. All right. Thank you. That's pocket. Do you know Animal. we're now giving COVID to animals? Yeah, I heard that in the beginning of the, uh, of the pandemic. Well, there I- it's really bad now. And, uh, 
the I think it was in Hong Kong. They imported a bunch of ferrets and they deci- they discovered that some of the ferrets had COVID, COVID. and they mm-hmm. were all euthanized. Like, I don't know how many ferrets, but they all had to die because they were just like, that's it. Get rid of them. I mean, it's going they've got they've had it in deer and um, wow. other wild animals are getting COVID from us. Fucking out of control. And when I, you know, I'll change the topic so we can get off it. By the way, I was trying to figure out too this Alex Jones character. Um, he, he, you know, I'm fascinated by Alex Jones. He, I think he's turning on Trump over the uh, vaccine. Is he? Well, it's weird. Like I don't know how people listen to Alex Jones because in one breath he'll go, "Ah, I hate Trump." I'm wise to him now. He's not that bright. And then he'll go, I got nothing against Trump. I'm not trying to do anything against Trump. Uh, Alex Jones sounds like Trump broke up with him romantically. And uh, he can't figure out what side of the, you know, what, right. what side he he's on. He doesn't know what to say about his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, I love her, but she's a hater. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he'll, he, it's like he's hedging his bet. He keeps saying he likes Trump and then he attacks him. He's trying to fucking read the tea leaves here. Yeah, that's a no. really uh, hard line here, <laughs> to walk. I, I pulled some tape for you. You like this? He got lied to, Trump. He didn't have ninety-eight percent. By the way, I don't know who his engineers are, but they got to fix his uh, audio chain. What the fuck? Yeah, don't think uh, he's... Uh, pay for a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's yelling out the window. <laughs> yeah. He got lied to, Trump. He didn't have 98% efficacy. We knew day one it wouldn't work, period. It's a fraud. It'll create mutants. You got chumped. You got signed on to a fraud to restart the economy. I understand why you did it. You believe in science. You said, these are bad actors, sir. You believed America could produce a good vaccine. Of course they could have. They didn't want to. They didn't create a vaccine. They created a Frankenstein. Shame on you, Trump. Seriously. Hey, if you don't have the good sense... To save yourself and your political career, that's okay. At least you're going to get some good Republicans elected. And, you know, we like you, but my God, maybe you're not that bright. Maybe Trump's actually a dumbass. Yeah, we all wish Trump would do the right thing. But listen, I've got the inside baseball on Trump. He doesn't know what's going on. And I'm not even defending Trump. I'm just saying we need to move on. I'm going to go ahead and do that. And it's not to hurt Trump. It's so people can know how pathetic he is when you think he's playing 4D chess, going to save it, and he's not. He's not a bad guy. But he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's surrounded by bad advisors. I want Trump to have success. I'm not against Trump. Boy, he first of all, he yells at an intense level, <laughs> number one. And number two, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think one of the tenets of radio are you got to make up your mind. It sounds like he loves Trump and hates Trump. And you don't know. I don't know what he's saying. He's saying that Trump's a really bad. He's saying that the emperor has no clothes. We thought yeah. this guy was our guy, but it turns out he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I have and whiplash from that. We need to move that. on. It's not like he's a bad guy. He's just not bright. I, I felt like I was rope doped. I, 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 you know what I mean? I mean, it's like I hate him. I love Wait, him. I hate I him. He's, him. he's hate an him. idiot. He's smart. He's like, I want him to do well, but he's not going to do well, and he's an idiot. And that, and that, and that. Oh, I know who this is. I'm back in bed on it. It's Alex Jones. Hey, Alex, how are you? From the front lines of the information war, it's Alex Jones. 
Infowars.com. Now, listen, you got half of the story right now. I don't blame Trump. I warned Trump. I told him, don't take the vaccine. I said, they're going to mutate your DNA. They're going to brainwash you. They're going to get you worshiping Fauci and pushing the depopulation. And now you see Trump take the booster. Fauci is good. They magnetized you, you dumbass Trump. But he's, I don't blame him. I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm saying there are people around him that are making him seem dumb, and he will pay for what he's doing. But I don't blame him. Infowars.com. See, that's where I'm confused. You, on the one end, you know, I'm trying to understand your shtick. Uh, you know, on the one end, you say he's a dumbass, and then you don't blame him. And, I mean, I don't know where you're at. I, I just listen to you ramble, and I, I can't follow you at all. I can't. I can't follow you at all. Now, look, I will explain this very, very clearly to you. Trump is not a bad guy. I think he's one of the smartest, kindest, most honest, most self-aware guys that I've ever met. They chipped him. They programmed him with the DNA, with the Frankenshot vaccine. Listen, I spend 22 hours a day researching this stuff. I'm getting two hours of sleep a night. That's how hyper-focused I am on this and what they're doing to Trump. It's all confirmed. We know this. They're tightening the grip of global control, Howard. I don't understand though. Like you, 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 you're for him, and then you knock him like horribly. Um, will you support him if he runs in 2024? Or you, I, I mean, I don't know where you're at with this thing. I, I can't figure it out. I may support him, but I'm not at this point. I'm absolutely not supporting him, but I might. I probably won't. Listen, there's a lot of good people running that might be going up against him. I got my eye on Nugent Stone. It's too early to say who's going to be running at this point. There's a lot of good guys, but listen. This new pro-vax Trump, this is not the Trump that I know. Howard, Donald Trump used to come on my show. And when Trump came on my show, we would talk about globalists, satanic pedophile cults. He would talk about the globalist elite. I'd name any reptilian leader. And like that, he would rate how evil they are. I go, uh, Barack Obama. Oh, that's a 9 out of 10. He's a eugenicist. He eats children. He's married to a man. I go, Hillary Clinton. Oh, she's a 10. She got the big gill. She's the spawn of Satan. That's the Donald Trump I know. That's what he should get back to is raiding reptilians, not bowing to Soros, not sitting there saying we got to initiate Omicron. We need the greatest crime in history and doing worse than what Hitler did, worse than what Mao did. Infowars.com. Well, well I, uh, I, 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 I really the, didn't understand that. <laughs> well, you're not, you're not part of Alex's listening audience, right? Your audience... Uh, they know you and they know what you're saying right now. It's all coded a certain way to, 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 so they understand. Is that correct? They follow everything. They take all of the high-quality multivitamin mineral supplements, and that's what they do. And that's why they can follow clearly when I talk about Fauci, when I talk about the ADA, uh, the death wave, the CRISPR system, the unlimited quantitative easing of the major banks. They understand all of this, and that's why you need to open your eyes, open your mind, open your ears to what is going on right now. But if it we have the like- vaccine, Alex... Aren't we chipped and DNA'd and all that stuff? We'll never know, right? Well, you won't know because you are sitting there and you're listening to the GMO filth. You're listening to the Global Reset takeover. They turned you into a goddamn magnet, and they did it to Trump, and I love Trump, and I I don't hate Trump. I think he's a dumbass. I think he's a complete effing dumbass right now, but I love him, but what they did to him is not good. They put him into this emerging totalitarian world government. They pushed the Global Reset takeover. I'll tell you what this sounds like to me. It sounds to me like you don't think Trump is crazy enough anymore. As soon as he said something <laughs> like, uh, I took the vaccine, he, he was off your good list. I, that's what it sounds like to me. He used to stand there, talk about how Hillary's, Hillary's a reptilian, talk about the chicken neck perverts that are pitching a secret moon base with the 3D printers. And now you look at him. Now I don't know where he's at. I don't know where he's going. Listen. I can't sit here and talk to you all day. I got a big show to get to. I got a lot going. Really? You know, I should get Bill Gates. You were speaking about vaccines. I should get Bill Gates in here. So, all right, Bill Gates wants to come in. He wants to make some future predictions as his character 
Gates Deeney. We all know Gates Deeney. So, all right, this <laughs> never goes well. But all right, get in here, Gates. We'll try your stupid Gates Deeney bit. Gates Deeney. Oh, Gates Deeney. Eater of babies, master of magnetic vaccines. Gates Deeney, give us a future prediction. In the future, globalists will become more health conscious and only drink diet baby blood. All right, I knew this would go terribly wrong. Get out of here, Gates, you demonic dirtbag, you scum. Get out of my damn studio. That is your, uh, uh, by the way. By the way, Alex, so Gates Deeney is way funnier than our bit Jay Deeney, I got to say. He was pretty good. <laughs> he can listen, get the He doesn't read the lines right. But listen, here's the bottom line, Howard. What's going on right now, what you need to understand is we're headed for a civil war. The American dollar is going to become useless within months. We're all going down. The deep state's going to take over. They're going to become the savior. What is the one item? I'm going to ask you this question. What is the one item you can buy that will only increase in value over time? Guaranteed. What is it? It's... The limited edition January 6th commemorative coin. Remember the brave men who fought for our freedoms on that fateful day. On each coin, you can see the QAnon shaman, podium guy, and the fate on Pelosi's desk guy defending our republic, honor our heroes. It's made from .00009 pure silver. Get your rare once-in-a-lifetime coin for just $499.99 at InfoWars.com. In, 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 in. Info, can I can I ask in, you one last in, question? Infowar infowars.com. Go ahead. Do you ever relax and tune out the news for a day? I think it might be good for you. Look you look you look you're turning red as you talk and your head looks like it's going to explode honestly. I mean, you might want to relax. Listen, I don't need to relax because I'm only getting two hours of sleep a night. That is how focused I am on this. And when I'm not even reading, I'm sitting up, I'm researching, I'm reading all day. When I'm not reading, I'm doing research in my own mind. I'm going back through the documents, the memorandums, I've, everything that is downloaded into my intelligence. And listen, when I need to sleep, I know what I take. I take the X2 knockout iodine milk. You take one sip to this stuff. It's filled with cod, liver oil, and vitamin E, naturally, organically uh, sourced paint chips. You take one sip of this, paint? your head will smash the pillow so fast. You can't even get the sip down your throat. Your head just bashes the pillow. So I know how to relax. You need to relax, Stern. You need to understand what's going on. All right. Well, listen, um, uh, thank you for uh, explaining your views on Trump and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and the vaccine causing people to be magnets. And, uh, you know, I'd say go for a walk, walk maybe walk things and I don't stick to them. I'm, I'm yeah. how am I a magnet? Get a spoon, Howard, put a spoon next to her head. See what happens. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, this is a vaccinated live virus vaccine. I've seen it happen. You see it happen to Gates. You see it happen right. to Soros. That's I'm, why. I, you know what? You're right. You're right. Down. She she hasn't put a spoon near her since uh, she took the vaccine. You're absolutely. I, I can't argue that. Uh, it's true. Do you, do you ever? Do you, is there any movies or anything you watch for fun? I mean, I was just going to say, go for a walk, watch a movie. Is there a movie? Did you that's kick back and watch the football this weekend? That's what I was thinking. Do I have time for football? I was watching a 16-hour documentary called The Consortium of Corporations with Obama, which was very good. You know, they talk about the remnants of the British Empire, how they developed COVID-19, and uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, how he funded some humanoid research. So it is nice to kick back, drink a little bit of iodine milk, and just watch a nice movie like that. It is fun to do that. All right. Well, okay. Thank you very much. And uh, there you go. Alex Jones, uh, I'll let you say your famous uh, farewell, your, your signature sign-off. Go ahead.
Of course. Listen, busy show today. Let me do a little little uh, little promo here. We're going to do the tribute to Meatloaf. I got, I'm very excited to have John Voight on the show today. So you got to tune in. He's coming on at 9. We're going to talk Midnight Cowboy. We're going to talk about the Satanic Loveless Collection Fraud Hoax. Stay tuned. Infowars.com. 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 Infowars tomorrow's news today. All right. Wow. The production team he has. I got to admit, I'm jealous. Wow. I also want to thank Grubhub. Grubhub helps you find and order food from wherever you are. And now they deliver your favorite convenience store. Go to's. Convenience is coming. This is perfect for Super Bowl coming up. Oh. You can all of your chips. Chips. Dips and dips. Convenience is coming to you, Robin. Download the Grubhub app today. Boom. Into music. Up on ZipRecruiter. All right. I got a lot to get to before I get to Johnny Knoxville. So let me do this quick. One more call from Michelle out in California. What can I do for you, Michelle? Hey, now. Hey, Howard. Um, I need your help. So I am a long-time listener. My brother is the reason for that. I've been listening to you since I'm a little kid. I grew up on Long Island. Um, I live in California now, as you said. Um, my brother's in Florida. We used to spend hours on the phone talking about you. Um, and he won't talk to me anymore because I date non-Jewish men. And I miss him. And I know he's listening now, but um, he won't talk to me. And I was hoping maybe you had some advice for us. Michelle, are you a little person? <laughs> Um, I sound like one, but I'm a normal-sized person with a very little voice. Okay. I just want to know who I'm talking to. So, Michelle, from what I could understand there, it sounds like you're dating non-Jews and your brother doesn't like it. Something like that, yeah. They First of all, you exclusively date non-Jews? You couldn't possibly date a Jew? No well, Jews for you out there, uh, Michelle. <laughs> I'm with your brother. You should be dating Jews. Uh, what is with you? I wouldn't talk to you either. You better start dating Jews immediately. No, Michelle, first of all, who the fuck wants to hear from their brother or sister who you should be dating? It's fucking obnoxious. You know, you know what I mean? I, I totally agree with you, except um, short of having any other reason to be angry at me, I can't understand where he's coming from. We used to be best friends. I, I Seriously, we used to spend hours on the phone talking about the show. I mean, we were... All right, I heard that already. Michelle, listen to me. Your brother sounds like he's a goofball. Great guy, blah, 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 whatever. He's sitting, he won't be friends with you because you're dating someone who's not Jewish. Where the, I mean, that kind of thinking is like so... A thousand I years ago. I could understand it if you had gone totally out of the species. Like, she's dating a horse. Yeah. You know, maybe he'd have a point. Yeah, but this but, is really uh, Did he tell you the reason? Did he tell you the reason, Michelle, why he's uh, so adamant about you being with a Jew? Well, I mean, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, I guess it really is just that. I uh, we, we had a rough childhood. Um and my brother and my sister were, were at one point my best friends. They each have their own painful 
life experiences. Um, and um, I guess he's angry at the world, and this is his way of taking it out on somebody. I guess being the youngest, maybe it was easy to take it out on me. Um, Man, really, a bunch I mean, of years ago. All right, all right, all right. I heard enough. A bunch of years ago, Michelle, yeah. uh, you know, my mother wasn't so enlightened and my sister, my sister never dug Jewish guys. I don't know. It was a thing with her. She never dated a Jew. I never once saw her date a Jewish guy, uh, as long as I know her. And uh, it became like a big deal. I remember my, my, my sister was like, my mother used to cry and yell. And, and, I, and I, I, I remember saying to my mother, well, what the fuck is so great about Jewish guys? You don't understand. Marriage is very difficult, and they'll be starting out with a knock against the marriage. It'll be one more difficulty. I mean, I would get lectured. My sister didn't get lectured. I got lectured. <laughs> what did she do? She would just smile at your sister? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. They had no. knockdown, drag out fights. Don't oh. ask what the fuck was going on. What are you doing? And my sister, much to her credit, was a very strong-minded person. She was like, you know, fuck you. I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to go marry someone because you think I should because of their religion. My sister wasn't even religious. That's where I am. Quite frankly, my mother's not religious. I was going to say, is her brother super religious? I don't. She's on another radio show. She's just talking underneath us. She wants to talk so badly, this Michelle. I'm just blabbering along over her, (laughs) trying to give her my wisdom. But what is it you want to say, Michelle? Your brother was a great guy, and he used used to listen. No, no, I was agreeing with you. I used to talk every day. Bullshit. You know, I agree, and I heard I, you know, I heard the same bullshit arguments from them too. It was ridiculous. Oh, my God. My sister. So, like, my sister was very, you know, she was like, I'm in love with who I'm in love with. First of all, my sister was not even bought mitzvahed or anything like that. And uh, my parents, you know, my my parents were rightly pissed off. You know, they wouldn't even buy a German, anything made in Germany. They wouldn't. We had an ice cream spoon we loved in the house. It was a spoon to to, to just scoop out ice cream. And my mother turned it over one day and saw it was in Germany. I I walked by the kitchen. I heard, ah, ah, ah. And I was like, I, I ran, I ran in. And, What's wrong? Yeah, I thought she was having a heart attack or committing suicide. I don't know what she was doing. And she goes, the spoon, the ice cream spoon's made in Germany. She threw it right in the garbage. Ooh. I go, oh, Jesus, that was our favorite spoon, really? <laughs> and do you really think ger- the German economy is going to tank because you threw the fucking spoon away? Anyway, um. As my mother got older and got more enlightened, she realized, she goes, I don't even know what I was, I don't care what, you know, although she does still think Beth is 100% Jewish. Um, What? (laughs) Yeah, don't tell her. Uh, No, but the thing is, it's such a ridiculous thing. People love who they want. You know, it's the same thing when people get upset when a man loves another man. Who cares who you love? It doesn't bother me. Go love another man. Somebody. Yeah. Love is, love is the answer. The Beatles said that. Love is the answer. It's beautiful. Mm, mm, mm. Well, you so know, Michelle, I was listening to something the other day, and, and this man said, is religion bringing us together or pulling us apart? Apart. 
There's an and, easy you know, answer. like we don't think about it. We just think about our own silly beliefs and we don't realize what's happening to the world as we try to impose our own beliefs on everyone else we know. Uh oh, your brother's on the phone. Your brother's on the phone, Michelle. Let's hear what he has to say. This is uh, Michael, uh, Michelle's brother. Yes, Michael. Michelle, I told you not to call in and air our dirty laundry in public. You bitch. What are you doing? What you get for being a hypocrite, asshole. I told you not to date Jews, and now you're calling the biggest Jew ever? You're bringing shame to our family. No, I thought you told her no. to date Jews. Hold on, Rob. Let me take care of this. <laughs> uh, the The premise is, is her brother wants her to date Jews. I know that. Why don't you butt out, you Jew? What the <laughs> hell is going on here? Who is this? Hey, hey. You boy, let, let, what? Cut out, cut out the uh, character for a second. Who is this? Is that you? Uh, this, this is... Who is it, Chris? This is, this is Michelle's brother. How dare no, I know. you? Is this Chris? Is this Chris? It's Chris. This is- I know it's Chris. Chris, let me ask you, if you're going to call in as her brother, you got to yeah. uh, understand what the fuck her brother's yeah, saying. did somebody just call you and just yet tell you to jump on the phone? <laughs> you didn't know what the premise Listen, here's was. what happened. Hey, Robin, you butt out. You're not a Jew either. Now, listen. <laughs> All right, get out of here. You're you fired. Might- <laughs> Poor Chris. Poor Chris got fired. All right, Michelle, that's all I have to say. Listen, who cares what your brother's You're got to say? You're going to have to live without your brother and live your own life. Right. Your brother will come around. My mother came around, too. Now she's uh, all for um, dating non-Jews. Okay? <laughs> Thank you, Howard. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. I mean, uh, Bye. come on. It's silly. a silly discussion because you can't live your life by what other people want you to love and what you want they want you to date. You just can't do that. Um. Okay, we get uh, a ton of letters here. When I say letters, not the old-fashioned snail mail anymore, but we do get a lot of uh, texts and uh, emails, you know, DMs. Yesterday we were talking about the NFL playoffs. And, uh, oh, no, this guy's calling in about my sister. What about my sister, Doug? What do you want to know? Hey, I was wondering, um, with all the stuff, first of all, I cannot believe I finally got through. Anyway, um, with all the stuff that you grew up with as far as getting beat up all the time and everything and living in the neighborhood that you lived in, did your sisters go through that as well? Now, my sister's four years older than me, and she had a, a pretty smooth, uh, uh, pretty smooth, right uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, she didn't go through like kind of, she was in college by the time my community changed and, uh became a racial hotbed of violence. So she didn't really get it that bad. No, she's a good woman though. She uh I was glad for her. I think it would have been very difficult to say the least. So Well that's good. I was yeah, wondering, it's, pretty, uh, it's different for it, girls like, than it is for boys. You, yeah. Like a lot of the dudes in Roosevelt might have dug my sister, you know, she was sure they had a dated her. <laughs> yeah, she was blonde and <laughs> Yeah, she was kind of a uh, hottie, so uh, yeah, yeah, they might have uh, might have gone for her. She might have had a different experience. Like mom? Yeah, my sister's got beautiful tits. Oh, bye. <laughs> yeah, very attractive, very nice tits. Uh, <laughs> my sister's a C cup. I don't think she'd mind me telling uh, that. I think she's pretty proud of it. 
Got nice big titties. Uh, just like my mom. Yeah. All the uh, stern women have big titties. Big. Is uh, that right? Oh, yeah. Big, <laughs> thick titties. Sure. Titties. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, this has been a pleasure. I've been listening to you since I was in high school, yeah. and it was just a pleasure. I, re I really appreciate you taking my question. All right, Doug. Thank you. Yeah. My sister and I get along real well. I mean, you know, my sister's cool. She doesn't. Uh, she she's not uh, envious of my success. I'm happy for her with her life, and you know, it's just the uh, it's very very uh, nice. She's very proud of you. Yeah, unlike the rest of my family, that <laughs> <laughs> shames me. Uh, on Monday's show, we discussed the NFL divisional playoff games. JD cried when the Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Tennessee Titans. That was a pretty good piece of tape, if I do say so myself. Oh my God, he got it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the fans wrote in about this. I'm happy for JD. Uh, fuck! But I couldn't tell if he was crying or coming during the game. Another fan wrote in, it was so touching to hear JD happy about something. He always sounds like such a beaten man. I hope the Bengals make it all the way to shine some light on this mushmouth producer's life. Uh, one fan had an interesting observation about JD's football commentary. JD's live football commentary is flawless, not a stutter. His sentences flow, and he surprisingly makes sense. There's is a lot of curse true? words. This is what I, I, I don't know, but he says there I are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of curse words. But I'm able to follow. I wonder why he's so much clearer when screaming and swearing as opposed to putting sentences together for other topics. I think when he's cer certainly passionate, he forgets himself, and uh -huh. um, you know. He uh, he has a better flow. Uh, here's another one. Uh, man, I thought the crying was ridiculous. Signed, Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he said it was way over the top. Jimbo Kimball. J.D. was so ecstatic over the win, he started to give a victory speech like he was a star player on the team. Uh, yeah, this. did you hear the victory? This is J.D. accepting the victory for the Bengals. It's uh, quite, quite... Illuminating. I mean, they made it. I mean, they shouldn't even have made it this far, and they're gonna be they're gonna be playing another week. Go Bengals! Thank you to everyone that's supporting the Bengals. Ah, the haters are gonna hate, and whatever we gonna do. I, I I think everyone's supporting me, tweeting me, sending me messages, saying, "Hey, I'm rooting for the Bengals for you." Uh, I appreciate the love. I appreciate any positivity brought towards me or the Bengals. I will anything I am for it. Uh help which uh, in turn helps support the Bengals. God damn it. Uh, he was he was losing his ability. The Bengals or the Bengals? <laughs> the Mangles. The Mangalas. <laughs> JD uh, very gracious over doing nothing for the team. <laughs> all of your accolades and good wishes to jd because he yeah. is the center of the bengals organization um richard christie was also excited when his kansas city chiefs beat the buffalo bills he and his wife Kristen were bouncing off the walls like maniacs 
Oh my, oh my God. God is right. Oh Jesus. my God. <laughs> oh my God. Well, oh God is God. a Kansas. God oh is a God. Kansas City Chiefs fan. You know that. <laughs> uh, the Bengals and the Chiefs, of course, uh, both advanced to the AFC Conference Championship, where they will, uh, of course, go against each other head to head. They'll play each other for a spot in the Super Bowl. JD and Richard yesterday got stakes in the game. If JD's Bengals win, then. Richard has to burn his Chris Jones jersey and his beloved Kansas City Chiefs hat, which he's had for 20 years. If uh, Richard's Chiefs win, then J.D. has to let Richard stare at his penis for 60 seconds. And the fans are loving this bet. They like it. Ah. I think it's hilarious. Richard chose to look at J.D.'s cock for the bet. He didn't hesitate for even a nanosecond. He just instinctively went with looking at it. (laughs) Oh, man, I can't wait for the cock-gazing event after the Chiefs beat the Bengals on Sunday. Way to be a team player, J.D. Uh, one listener thinks the men on my staff are truly disturbed. J.D. crying over a football team, Richard crying over a football team, John High referring to his favorite team as my team. Does he own them? <laughs> These guys are ridiculous. You wonder why the country is in the shitter. This is why grown fucking adults crying over a damn game. Grow the fuck up. We are doomed. Wow. Who wrote that? Uh, Ted Nugent. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who wrote that. Uh, we haven't heard from Richard's dad in a while. He was fired up about the Chiefs. Was he? Yeah. He left a voicemail for Richard right after the game, of course. This is Richard's oh, dad. Richard, this is your dad. My God, this. I tell you, I about had a heart attack. I thought they'd lost. I thought they'd won, and I thought they'd lost. And then in overtime, they won the toss. They went down right, right on down there and scored the touchdown, won the damn game. Boy, who's gonna pay for my cardiologist? It was a heart, heart. I don't know what you'd call a heart, something, but heart shaker maybe. But anyway, go Chiefs. Wow, 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 wow. All I can say is wow. So we'll talk right. to you later, bub. Bye. We also received a lot of mail about um, Bobo. Again, they want him punished. Yes. Um, Bobo said, please do not let Ralph determine the punishment that's the one thing I will not accept. And then Marianne said, who is Bobo to pick who determines his punishment? Um, because we're close to Johnny Knoxville time and I have so much more fan mail to read. Ralph, I understand you came up with a punishment for Bobo, but I'm going to. Yeah. yeah, let's save it if that's what you're going to say, because it's uh, it's uh, extensive and I have to explain it. it and it's great. It's elaborate. Good. Yeah, tomorrow yeah, I'll have more time. Slightly. Tomorrow yeah. I have more time. Yeah. I, you know, today I'm kind of pressed for time because of uh, Johnny coming on at nine o'clock. But yeah. uh, I apologize. Bobo, I was in chambers. I was in chambers yesterday deciding. So it was uh, Bobo. Uh, Ralph has come up with a punishment for you, so we'll get that punishment tomorrow. Okay. All right. I know you have a time restraint, but um, I just want to say this: this morning, as I sit before you, I asked the Stern Show Court, right, and you, Ralph. To think clearly of sound mind and judgment on my behalf due to my lack, my lack of cognitive abilities. 
No, this Bobo, Bobo, this is very fair, and it plays into the fact that you are not capable of making your own decisions. And this is all predicated on Howard. I mean, he's the final decider. Absolutely. And, uh, the these are going to be suggestions, sentencing recommendations, as we call it, in the court of law. All right. Marianne from Brooklyn, I know you're anxious about this. You've been pressing me for oh a punishment. God. But tomorrow now, we'll determine I'm dying it. To hear the se- Ralph, I need the sentence. I'm dying to hear it. Stop over with your begging, Ralph. Who are you to go before Ralph and, and plead your case? You're, so, you're such a knucklehead. You're so stupid. Ralph, I hey. beg of you, make the sentence strong and stiff. No. I beg you. Hey, by the I way, Bobo. And by this way, causes me not to think things too properly. And just remember, um, I always wanted to be in the whack pack, and Howard knows. The bottom line, I just freaked out and panicked. All and right, tomorrow true. we're going to address this. I know everyone is anxious about this, especially Marianne. Ralph, I, you know, Ralph one I, more thing. Ralph, notice his cameo, his hashtag, Howard Stern Whack Pack. Go to his his Instagram. Go to his, his all right. fucking Twitter. Marianne. Uh, all right, they, the case we, has already been tried. I've been whacked. Yeah. We have all that. We have in all that out. information. The court has all that information. And, uh, all right, good. Ralph finally has something to do. All right, enough. Uh-huh. All right, Bob, Bob, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ralph, we'll talk right. to you tomorrow. All right, oh, that's just way, I, I can, I'll give Bobo my Venmo because I can be bribed uh, quickly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ralph says money talks. Bullshit walks. Um, oh, we also received email about Ronnie, the limo driver. Uh, Ronnie claims he was bar mitzvahed when he was 13, like any other Jewish kid. During uh, yesterday's show, we played a recording of Ronnie butchering the recital of the secret bar mitzvah prayers, and it was brutal. I mean, Ronnie was, uh, (laughs) he wasn't so good at it. Um, The fans refuse to believe that Ronnie is Jewish. Howard, I cannot believe that Ronnie is Jewish. There is absolutely no sign of him resembling any trait of a Jewish man, especially after hearing him recite those prayers. Uh, Who would fake it? Are there fake Jews? Yeah, (laughs) I don't see the benefit. (laughs) It's nothing but service and being a Jew. So when I heard that Ronnie was bar mitzvahed, I was in disbelief, Howard. Uh, by the way, we put Ronnie reading Jewish prayers to music. It's it's um, it's very difficult to listen to. Baruch, 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 Ronnie had a father who was really there for him, in my opinion. Uh, This one said, I know Ronnie had issues with his father, but as a dad, he seemed outstanding. Was Ronnie more freaked out that he had his father's gun or his father's schlong in his face? These are some questions that people had. I think those are rhetorical. I'm not going to get to those answers. Uh, Ronnie also told a story about his father catching him dry humping a girl on his couch when he was nine years old. A listener had an interesting thought. It is absolutely not okay for nine-year-olds to be dry-humping. Imagine that being your child. It's so disturbing. This seems like a trauma response to me. (laughs) There you go. Well, so much more. I mean, so many emails. I pitch Eric and Debbie the Cum Lady. 
people are excited about that, or some people want to throw up just thinking about Eric getting a blowjob and a finger up his ass. Stop it. So there you the go. The way she says uh, she's going to make Eric explode, it reminded me of the pig semen <laughs> in the Knoxville movie, Jackass. Yeah. What is it? Jackass Forever. Yeah. Uh, let me read you a couple of these things, Robin. So, yeah. So, as I said, on last Tuesday's show, we heard that Debbie the Come Lady and High Pitch Eric uh, are talking about uh, Eric flying down to Florida. Debbie the Come Lady is going to blow him. Yeah, they're uh, Jimmy trying to Kimmel. get this done sooner than when was the original date? March or something? Now they're trying to figure uh, yeah. out how to make it uh, come along, come about sooner. Yeah, during the Super Bowl, uh, Jimmy Kimmel wrote me. He said, "I have an idea. Jimmy how about Kimmel. you call it the Super Blow?" And uh, I said, "That's a pretty good idea, right there. <laughs> That's top shelf." Um, I'm gonna vomit. Come fetish aside, I really can't imagine what's in this for Debbie. Vile is the only word that can describe the pending hookup between her and High Pitch Eric. Howard, I'm sorry. Did I miss something? Is there a nationwide cum shortage forcing Debbie to slum it with Eric? <laughs> I just learned something about myself. I'd rather listen to Whoa. Fist Fest than listen to High Pitch Eric and Debbie Whoa. the Cum Ladies. Howard, I just puked in my mouth listening to High Pitch and Debbie the Cum Guzzler in Florida. Uh, fans have so many opinions on this. Some fans aren't even sure that Eric will perform or if he'll even make it to Florida. Not only, Howard, will Eric not come, he won't even come to Florida. He won't make it there, period. This has been going on for years. Guy's got a point. Howard, not only do I think Eric will come, uh, not only do I not think Eric will come for Debbie, I do not think he's ever come in his life. I think he only pretends to know what you're talking about to fit in. A lot of people thought that Chris Wilding must go down to Florida if Eric is going to come. Come on. High pitch. He wants it in his ass. He won't come for Debbie, giving him a BJ. But if Chris is the one sucking him off, there'll be a volcanic eruption. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that Eric won't even get hard unless Chris Wilding is in the room. Uh, Eric does have a bad track, track record, as I pointed out the other day, with performing and finishing with women. Back in 2003, Robin, you'll remember that. Eric shot a gangbang scene with a porn star. The porn star's yeah. name was Cat Cleavage. Eric was actually in a porno film. She claimed that Eric was able to get it up but couldn't finish. Mm. Uh, if you remember, here you go. Well, he he gets it up, but he doesn't... Um, he doesn't have sex. He doesn't have an orgasm, mm -hmm. and he thinks he does. Oh, my. You don't finish? You never have sex. You finally get a woman, and you can't finish. He didn't finish. What do you what do you make of that, Eric? What would you call that? I, I thought I did finish. You told me I did. That's what you told us, and we kept waiting, and we would stop to wait for it to come out, and nothing would happen. <laughs> oh, this yeah. is why I think all of the the listeners that think they'll be disgusted, really, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> I think you're going to be like staring at a wet noodle. <laughs> Um, anyway, there's a whole bunch of bets listeners suggested. They said Vegas will go crazy. How long will it take? Will Eric get hard? Can Eric get hard without Chris in the room? What will Debbie find in Eric's ass? Will Chris have to get involved to finish Eric? How much cum will Eric actually have? Will Eric dribble or shoot? Will Debbie get a psychedelic reaction to Eric's cum because he's on so many medications? Uh, you want to hear something gross? Let me give you something what? gross. After the show last Tuesday, Debbie sent Eric a video of her pleasuring herself to the idea of Eric coming for her. Listen right. to this. 
Here, here is audio, exclusive audio from that. Oh, you're so nice and hard, Eric. Burn your crawling in my mouth. I feel it so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, Eric, you're so fucking good. Nice and hard. Rock hard, Eric. Yeah, sucking on your head nice and hard. Burn, so good. She's so fucking good, Eric. You're getting me so fucking wet. Oh, I don't know where she recorded that, but I don't know that she's ever come either. (laughs) Eric told that. Here's exclusive video of Eric telling Sal a play-by-play of what he did once he received the video. Eric again saying he's very busy jerking off and coming. Listen to this. I open up the Debbie video. I said, "Oh my God, that is so fucking hot." I mean, my bed watching it. I said, holy shit, my dick is getting hard. My health is in the living room, and I'm going to go in the living room again. My baby wipes, holy fuck, my dick is getting hard. So I run into my living room, and my dick is still getting fucking so hard like a rock. And I grab those wipes, and I quickly run into my bathroom. And thank God, I didn't drip all over the place. I opened the toilet seat. And I, that's where I shot the load inside, all over the toilet. You believe right, any of that? none of that is true. <laughs> he said he ran uh, to the living room. <laughs> uh, Eric uh, was afraid that you would say that, Robin. So Eric uh, wanted to record himself jerking off to prove to Sal he's ready for <laughs> Debbie. He sent us this exclusive recording late at night after the discussion on the air. Here is exclusive Eric Jerking off uh, audio. Exclusive. All right, I'm going to the bathroom cell. I'm about to come uh, because I couldn't hold it in. Uh, Debbie, oh my God, Debbie, you can't touch those videos. I'm about to come. Oh, Debbie, <laughs> Debbie, oh my God, those those tit videos where you want me to come on your tits. Oh my God. Oh, Debbie. Debbie, 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 my cock is hard. Oh, Debbie, Debbie, oh, Debbie, oh, Debbie, oh, Debbie, I have my baby wipes. Oh, my God, Debbie, Debbie, oh, my God, my tits are in your breasts like you want what? them to. My cock is <laughs> He's hard rolling. in the breasts. Oh, my God, Debbie, you want my cock in between your breasts. Oh, Debbie, I'm Racking myself off right now. <laughs> Coming. Uh, oh that's my, my boy. God. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm so proud. I think that's he what said, Eric my, thinks. My tits my, are in my, your breasts? That's right. You know, when guys <laughs> get crazy, maybe he was jerking off. My tits are in your breasts. Anyway, um... <laughs> I don't know. When I listened to that, I couldn't believe any of it. I, I don't believe Eric came, and I don't believe Eric ran to the bathroom. I don't think he's capable of running. No, there's no running where Eric is. <laughs> well, there you go. My tits are in your breasts. Awesome. <laughs> All right, real quick, Jason, and then we go and go right to Johnny Knoxville, which I, I'm excited to talk to Johnny. He's got a lot going on, especially a new awesome. movie. I am sure Paramount hey, Pictures is happy. They make a lot of money, those movies. Yes, Jason. Hey, now. How you guys hey doing now. today? Hey, now. All right. Hey, uh, 
I was going to ask you a question about your sister, but I kind of need yes. to pivot from that. How the hell does Eric go from high-pitch Eric to low-pitch Eric when he's jerking off? Well, maybe that's what an indication. I know what you're saying. Maybe that's an indication that he actually is jerking off. His voice seemed to become very <laughs> masculine. So all of a sudden he was like, I don't know oh, how he yeah. jerked off that little button oh, anyway. Man. That thing is so little. <laughs> Well, actually, we saw it. Uh, we, he sent us a picture of it hard. It was a good one and a half, two inches. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, Robin? I would say it was about two That's inches. a good half inch bigger than yours, right? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, he's got me beat. <laughs> Unbelievable. Can I ask you about your sister real quick? Sure. Hey, is there Happy. any chance of you doing an interview with her before you retire to just kind of talk about the upbringing of you guys with your parents? Yeah, I mean, that'd be kind of interesting. I mean, I, I I don't know if my sister would be up to it. She's not real showbiz. She doesn't really like being on the air. But my sister's come on the air uh, from time to time, not not in many years. But uh, she's great. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, could, I suppose that'd be a good idea. Maybe we should, you know, because cause she sees... I think that would be like, awesome. I, I mean, obviously, she, you don't really talk about her all that much. And I would love to hear her perspective of your upbringing. It would be great while your parents are still around if they're, they sound like they're still cognitive. Um, I mean, it would be oh, awesome yeah. to hear about stories. <laughs> my mother was very cognitive <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, my sister sees it differently than I do. My, she sees my dad as the one who was like really super uh, kind and uh, emotionally uh, capable. But uh, I don't know. Interesting. We, we, we definitely look at it differently, but... Every child when, is having a different experience, even with the yeah. same parents in the same home. Whenever, um, hey, can I ask you one more question, real quick? Whenever my sister and I get together and we talk about, it, I go, "Really? That was your perception?" And then she goes, "Yeah." She goes, "I, I don't believe your perception. It's very interesting." Yeah, okay, maybe we'll do that one show. Okay, you, Jason. Yeah. Can I ask you one more quick question? Yeah, but it's got to be I'm quick because I got. I got to. I'm, I'm calling from one of the outer rims of Jupiter on my AirPod. Can you hear me clearly? Yeah, actually sounds pretty good. It's a pretty good connection. The AirPods are tricky. Sometimes people call in with them and they're horrible, but uh, you sound you sound pretty good, Jason. Thanks. Oh. He did. AirPods. He had to know, announce man. to us this was on his from his AirPods. I guess it's uh, possible you could have a good connection on those fucking AirPods. I you know what I use uh I got a full like it looks like the old headphones that you and I used to wear on on the air, but they're made by Beats. It's part of the uh, Apple situation. It's got that noise canceling, but it's the kind you put over your head and you got them over right. your ears and everything. And I love them. I just got Beth a pair for uh, Christmas, but uh, they um yeah they they work great. But it's like the old fashioned headphones. I find the AirPods. They you know if you're listening to a movie or something and you're like on a airplane forget it you can't hear anything yeah you hear all the ambient noise yeah bullshit bullshit but for he was calling from jupiter and uh you know from another planet and he sounded good you think he was really from jupiter i knew there were aliens <laughs> you told me there was no life out there <laughs> there isn't than on earth the only place in this vast universe that there is earth believe it or not is i mean that there that we're, we're in this universe that we live in it's Earth. It's the only place that has it. Everything else is a cold planet. Or too hot. Uh, that's it. This We're alone. This was just right. It's like the Goldilocks planet. Yep. It was one in a gazillion. 
the odds of this planet happening. And what's so sad is we're doing our best to ruin it. You know, it's a miracle that it exists. It's a miracle that life exists. We don't get it. We're not appreciative of what no. we have. No, you you would think that if anybody even did anything to pollute the air, that there would be an immediate jail sentence. You know what I mean? Or just even, you know, ruining a neighborhood. Right. You He's some garbage on the ground. We're so lucky to be here. Or not. You don't shit on things when you really appreciate them. We're such selfish pricks. That I is was the once, problem. I was once talking to an old lady. I got to stop because I want to talk to Johnny, but I was once talking to an old lady and she goes, she was talking about, yeah, I don't recycle. She goes, what do I care? I'm going to be dead. You know, and yeah. I was like, oh, that's so fucking selfish. Great. Hey, yeah. um, where was I? Uh, Robin, uh, my next guest is a gentleman that everyone admires, everyone looks up to. My wife says he's like, my <laughs> wife constantly tells me how good looking Johnny is. I think she would really? leave me for him in a second. Yeah. Yeah. She's go, she, every, we're watching Jackass and she goes, Johnny's so good looking. And I'm like, no, he's not. You know, Johnny's horrible looking. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> right, Johnny? I'm better right. looking. Right. You better say that. I love this, by the way. This 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 little riff that is associated yeah, with you. I know I've told it, right? you. I've told you this a million times. The way the, it, it's just so great. Why did you pick that song again to be associated with Jackass? Um I was just pick I picked a few songs and but this was like one of the two or three I submitted. Uh I just liked the Minuteman and I thought it was a good hook. Yeah, and it's weird. It's like goofy enough that you don't take it too seriously, but it does seem like a song that would be a jackass theme. So those guys make a lot of money every time there's a jackass movie, right? Because whenever you They're play doing even okay. a Right. <laughs> but they so deserve it, man. They're like a legendary punk band that, you know, driving around their whole career in their vans. And uh, their lead singer is now deceased. So, like, if anyone deserves it, it's the Minutemen. Well, the Minutemen. And yeah. so their biggest claim to fame was pretty much being the theme song to Jackass, right? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I'm. Sh it's one of their claim to fames, but I really respect them as a band. So... Uh, yeah. Who, who, you know, I didn't, I never heard of the Minutemen before you. Uh, what, what, who, who are the, what are the top three greatest bands of all time? You would to know. To me? Yeah. Oh, wow. God, that's such a hard question. Um, uh, I love, I mean, I mean, this is personal preference. I'm, I'm no rock historian. Right. Uh, but I I love the replacement. Uh, I I love the clash, um, and it's not. I mean, we. But it's, that's far as bands. But I also love Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and uh, my cousin Roger Allen Wade. Yeah, yeah, Roger, great. What? what <laughs> yeah. Where'd you grow up again? What? What? what Tennessee, did you South yeah, Knoxville, yeah, that, Tennessee. Yeah, of course you would think those. You know, that's so interesting. It depends where you grow up. Because for yeah. me, it's like, you know, it's like the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, and all that kind of thing. But, oh, I love uh, the Stones. I love all those. I love all those bands, you know? Yeah. So. When you when you were a kid growing up, 
Is that like what age did you realize you love danger and you love stunts and you loved like even you were fearless about hurting your body? When did you realize it? When did it click? You know, I wasn't I mean, I was pretty rambunctious growing up, but I wasn't as fearless as well, I, I don't know. I mean, I have fear. I'm not fearless. Um, it Are you? I, wait when, a second. You're you have fear. Sure. I mean, so when I you can go overcome in, it, what is the brain? What is how does this what is the psychology of overcoming fear? This is interesting to me because I liken you to like what a soldier has to go through when he's facing a bullet. I mean, you've shot yourself in the chest. You've when you go in the ring, even in the new movie again with the bull and you know you're going to get fucked up. You might even die. What how do you how do you even reconcile getting in the ring? Like, what is the thought process? Well, first of all, I love bulls. God help me. I love bulls. And I do know that a lot's on the line when I'm walking in that ring. But, you know, I, I get a little I'm, I'm at my most fearful, like two or three days out side of the stunt. But on that day, I'm just like, I want to get there and I want to do it. Uh, uh, I, I have the let's go now attitude. And I just convinced myself that this is what I'm doing today and let's get it, let's get it done. Uh, but it's, it's no longer for the money. I mean, I just, I Googled you yesterday. I asked this on the air. I said, what is Johnny Knoxville worth? And it, it, that Google said seven, $75 million. Okay. Oh yes, my dear. Theory Google's never right. <laughs> yeah. Google's, Google's probably right in your case. I would say that's about right. There's probably $75 million of, of money there. So. I was going to say to you, like, okay, maybe you overcome the fear because you go, I need the money. But that's not the case anymore. And when no, you were a little kid, money. and when you were a little kid, you used to make those videos never thinking anyone would see them but your friends. I didn't start, it, I didn't start doing stunts, stunts until my first wife got pregnant and I was waiting tables and I was in sheer terror about what I was going to do to support a kid. And so I, I started, my friend John Linson got me a job writing for magazines. Uh, and I came up with the self-defense, the self-defense equipment, uh, article. And that was my best guess at what I needed to do for a living, uh, was to like do participatory journalism. Uh, and explain that it, it worked out. Uh, well, participatory journalism, I was inserting myself into the article. And so my idea was I would test a number of self-defense equipment items on myself. A pepper spray, stun gun, taser gun, and I was going to shoot myself while, wear, while wearing a bulletproof vest. And uh, that was my first uh, entry into big stunts. So when you used to write me letters when I was on the radio at K-Rock and you were 16 and you said, I want to come on your show and pepper spray myself. And, uh, and of course, my general manager said, no, I, I got into fights with him. You, you were an unknown. You, you used to write me. It, it, so that to me was the indication that this was something that was, you know, inside of you, this this idea of being wild. Well, I was almost 27 or 28 when I wrote you that. Oh, I thought you were like 16. No, no, I had a two or three year old kid and I was like 27 or 28. 
Oh my God! I, maybe I, I just you. assumed I go. That is some dopey kid. I didn't realize it was a no, grown no, man. No, I was over the hill when I started, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe. So it was really an economic thing. You were like, "Shit, I got a kid now. I got to come up with a way of making a living." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I lived next door to the director Antoine Fuqua. I'm like, "Can you help me get a commercial agent?" And he said, "Sure." And he sent me to this lady, Lisa Pantone, who set me up with a commercial agent. Um. Uh, I had a lot of people helping me out, and I appreciate it. I've gone online and watched that video of you taking a gun, uh, which was uh, the, the round was comparable to a nine millimeter round. I don't know what the hell you were using, but uh, well, I used a, a, a thirty eight because that's all the vest I had was uh, warranted for. Uh, right. I didn't have enough money to buy an expensive vest, so I had to buy the cheapest vest they had. And so it would take a 38, hopefully. So when you did, to me, I watch that and I, you know, it's, it's not even about whether it's funny or this, it's just, it's fucking madness. It is madness because so many things can go wrong with a gun. You know that, like, even if you hold it the wrong way and you're sort of limp wristed about it, you could have shot yourself in the head, like, like things ricochet and all that, but you were pretty good with it. You shot yourself right in the 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 center of the vest. You, right. you didn't you didn't have a misfire, and uh, you were able to do it and live and survive. The vest protected you. That to me is the most hardcore thing ever. Why did you never put that on the Jackass movie? Why did you never do that stunt in Jackass? Were you afraid too many people would imitate it? Well, yeah. Uh, by that time, we did it. I did it for a skateboarding magazine, Big Brother, which most of uh, most of the jackass guys came from. And by that time, you know, it, it had been seen and we were worried about imitations uh, for people doing that. We don't. Guns are a little gnarly. Yeah, it is. It's so hardcore. And when I watch that one, I go, oh, my God. You know, I know it, it turns out fine, but I'm like, oh, God, Johnny's going to kill himself. It is it is crazy to me. And, like, I don't have that gene that says, fuck it, man. I'm just going to go for it. You have that. And, you know, I, I acquired talking... that, I guess. Maybe it was in me, but I did acquire it. Anybody who's hung out with you, you know, I've hung out with you a little bit off, you know, the radio and stuff. And my wife and I, you know, my wife and I constantly like have this discussion. We're like, Johnny's so fucking normal. And like, he's such a nice guy. He's mild mannered. And you know, people used to say that about me with the radio show. They go, he's such a nice guy off the air, but he's fucking insane. It's like there's something that happens in people, certain people. Like you're, otherwise your life is pretty rational, pretty normal. Yeah. And you get in front of that camera and you go fucking insane it's it's just it's like superman or something and you just lose all inhibition it is really remarkable when i was watching the new movie which i think um you know is incredible again you have done this in the past you get in the ring with the bull and i go this guy's fucking nuts that's this is this is terrible he gets he gets horribly hurt each time you do this and sure enough you get in and this bull throws you like a motherfucker Right. You get a you get a concussion, you break your wrist, you break your ribs, and you even say you lost uh cognitive abilities for three months. Yeah, I got a brain hemorrhage from that. So my cognitive abilities were in steep decline after that hit. Spent the what weekend in the wife, hospital. What does your wife say to you? Does she say 
stop. We have enough money. You know, I almost lost you. Is she is she freaked out by this or is she not allowed to sort of make any sense of this and has to keep that away from you? Oh, no. Uh, no one in my family is uh, happy with the stunts. And this la- the, the bull hit was the worst hit I've ever taken uh, from a bull or maybe period. Uh, like I said, my cognitive abilities <laughs> really declined. I, I remember taking some tests and the doctor said, <clears throat> the neurosurgeon said, uh, do you have trouble paying attention right now? And I said, yeah, why? He goes, cause you scored a 17 on, uh, <laughs> a, a, <laughs> my attention. Uh, so, <laughs> that's out of a hundred. Does but th- does that scare the fuck out of you? What is it about you that that doesn't scare you? Laugh at that, and it's uh, you know. It, I laugh it's now, so, right? At the time, I was like, "Oh no," because you know I had to go under all these type of treatments, this transcranial magnetic stimulation, which they buzz your head with these magnets for about thirty minutes at a time for like, oh god. I would say 10 to 12 treatments over a series of two months. And it's supposed to help with the depression and, you know, help with my cognitive skills. So it was, it was, it was a tough one to come back from. I was trying to edit the movie at the time, but I couldn't sit still. Right. I I couldn't sit still. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to understand you. You know, when I, like I said, when I sat next to you at that dinner party, I go, this is a gentleman. This is a guy. He's bright. He fucking, you know, and then I think about these hardcore stunts and I go, I don't know Johnny at all. I, you know, I know him, but (laughs) But I don't know him. Do I, do do I know them? Who are you? I mean, who the fuck are you, Johnny? I don't know. It's so, it's so complex. Jimmy Kimmel calls me a sheep in wolf's clothing. Yeah, uh, that's Jimbo Kimble. Jimbo Kimble. He's you know you you scare me in like when I was watching the movie and I love that Eric Andre does a guest appearance and Machine Gun He's Kelly great. does a guest appearance. It's great. It's funny as fuck. But I wouldn't go anywhere near your set. I would be so I would shit my pants when when um, Eric Andre goes up to buy something at the the little cart there and they and he gets smacked in the fucking balls with that that fucking thing or or machine gun kelly gets smacked he's riding a bike and he gets smacked in the head and thrown into the water i mean that shit really hurts that's no joke right i mean it's they got crazy. the full treatment they got the full treatment uh you would be you would be safe on our set and i i i guarantee that um there are people that we go after and we wouldn't go after you because I, I, I even asked Tremaine, uh, the director of Jackass, who'd worked with Eric Andre and Shauna Newton, who had worked with Eric Andre on Bad Trip. I'm like, is Eric, does he get the full treatment or what? And they're like, kill him. I'm like, OK, <laughs> you wow. don't have to beg me. Well, they're, they're, and- they're friends with Eric and they know that he wants the full treatment. And uh, so we have discussions ahead of time how we're going to treat people right and yeah. machine gun cali got the full treatment uh tyler the creator got the full treatment that's because we we knew them 
Eric Andre said they're constantly filming you and constantly fucking with you on that set. So you don't know. You don't know if you're just sitting there and nothing's going to happen or something's going to happen. And I tell you something, I'd have a heart attack. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with the pain <laughs> and I couldn't deal with the anticipation of knowing I was about to get fucked over. I mean, th those guys are brave. Eric Andre is a kindred spirit, I guess. You know, I mean, he oh, definitely. 100%. How'd you meet him? I met him uh, for the first time. Well, I met him, I think, at a, a screening of the Motley Crue picture that Jeff directed briefly. But I got to start hanging out with him when we were filming the movie. And we had a writer's room, right? And Eric came to that. And uh, one of his ideas made it in the movie. Uh, he's been great. He's been great. We're we're uh, close now, and uh, I, I just love the guy. I love him, too. Whenever he would do the show, he he's the guy who came up with uh, prostate karaoke on our show. Did you ever hear that bit? <laughs> Eric yeah. came in. Yeah, and uh, we, we the, the, guy, the guys got their prostates examined with this big rod up their ass, and you had to sing karaoke. <laughs> while he, <laughs> and I go, this guy's a genius. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, like Eric Andre said, he used a porta potty on your set the first morning on the set, and it exploded as he was peeing. Like the whole thing just blew up, and uh, it accidentally that was... exploded. <laughs> it's wild. So when you go back to me with the bull stunt, you knew that it was the most dangerous thing to do, and it is wild to see you flipping through the air. Once you land, you're unconscious, right? Your head is split open. I was out for uh, over a minute, and I started snoring, which means I was trying to swallow my tongue. Oh, so and, and they immediately lift you up on a stretcher. They take you to the hospital. And when you get to the hospital, you're conscious, but you've got to be writhing in pain. Your wrist is broken, which is one of the most painful breaks, right? And your I rib knew is broken. something was wrong with my wrist. I was like, my wrist feels funny in the back of the ambulance. And they were asking me all these questions like, who's the president now? And I couldn't remember and it was very oh. frustrating to me. And finally, I came out with Obama. And maybe <laughs> that's just because I was hoping Obama was the president at that time. <laughs> but then I remembered, I'm like, no, it's, it's you know, Trump. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, that, and, and then you spent how much time in the hospital after a stunt like that? I spent uh, a couple days in the hospital. After that, they had to wait till the bleeding stopped on my brain. Does anyone sit down? You know, you once said to me, when we, one of the times you were on the show, you said, you know, I'm doing psychotherapy. I'm going to a therapist. But the therapist is not allowed to talk to me about why I do stunts. Because, quite frankly, you don't want to examine it because you might stop doing them. At this point now, now that you got the new movie in the can, probably I, I would hope it's your last movie of doing stunts, but I don't know with you. Would you now explore with the therapist why you are so attracted to danger? Or are you still just keeping that off the table? Um, yes, I, I can now go into it with the therapist because, like, after talking to the doctors and, and I knew going into this film that after this, I can't take, put myself on the line with stunts that can forever change my life, you know? So... And after the bull hit, I'm like, I think I've done enough, right? I, I don't have anything to prove. Uh, and I still have, con you know, 
control of all my faculties. And uh, so I don't need to do large stunts anymore. Uh, so I can talk to my therapist about that now. I'm sure it has something to do with self-worth. Uh, I don't know. I'll discuss it with her. <laughs> what do you think it is about self-worth? Do you Do you feel inside, as many of us do, I'm not immune from this, that you're just worthless and you don't deserve anything good? Uh, sometimes in my weak moments, I feel like, uh, I'm an, you know, I like I'm an imposter and like, I really maybe don't deserve to be where I'm at. And then, you know, um, and then other times I'm like, no, I busted my ass. Uh, I think I, you know, I, I do deserve to be where I'm at, but there's that thing in me where sometimes I don't believe in myself. And then it's just kind of a, a, a battle. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I hear you. No, I, I, I relate to that. There are times yeah. I think, oh man, I, I've done a lot of great stuff and I've written a lot of funny things and done a lot of the good stuff on the radio. And then I go, oh, why me though? Why, why, you know, what? Yeah. I'm no maybe I'm not so great. You know, right. maybe people are going to find out I'm not so whatever they think I am. Um, so do you know. think it's in a battle. way though, do you think in a way though, like, uh, because you're this front guy for, for Jackass, it's your baby. And all the other guys, are, you're sort of the leader of the crew. That in a way, it, it's like, hey, I got to prove to these guys. If I'm asking them to get smacked in the balls, when I saw that guy take the pogo stick right up into his fucking dick, I was like, <laughs> holy shit, this is hardcore. But if you didn't do the bull stunt, how can you say to him, go take a po you know, hey, go take a pogo stick to your dick. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if you don't yeah. step up, those guys aren't going to step up. Right. I, I do feel like I lead by example and I, I'd prefer to do the more dangerous stunts because I don't sit, I don't like watching, uh, one of the guys do a stunt that could forever change him. Right. So I, yeah. I prefer to do those stunts. Uh, I don't mind so much that the pogo stick, I, I didn't really, I thought, I didn't think that was going to forever change Aaron. So right. I kind of got a kick out of that. You're so funny because I looked at that and went, oh, my God, there's a grown man going to get a, you know, a pogo stick with another guy standing on that pogo stick. There's a lot of weight on that thing. One wrong move, that could puncture his leg and fucking cripple him. He, he, that thing could go through the cup and take out its dick. I mean, and then when... And when um when 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 um Steve Holt does the beehive thing on his dick, his naked dick, I'm like this motherfucker. <laughs> he can lose his dick. I don't know what's going on. It's amazing that you guys have that chip in you that says just just go for it. I think it's the adrenaline of saying to yourself, man, like millions of kids are going to be in a theater staring at this, going, man, this is the funniest fucking shit we've ever seen. I think that's what just basically drives you. It's that. Well, I think what drives us is if we can make each other laugh, I think everyone else is going to laugh. And that is always the litmus test since we've begun the TV show is like, are the guy, is everyone laughing? 
If everyone's laughing, I think we're good. If I look at Jeff Tremaine and he's laughing so hard, you know, I see tears coming out of his eyes or he's terrified. He has that terrified look on his face like, oh, are you OK? I know we have something. So right. it's just how it plays within the the room. When you read about these football players, you know, and everyone's concerned about their concussions. Maybe they've had one, two, three concussions in their life. You've had over 20 concussions from the jackass stunts. Yeah, do about you, 16, but close to 20. Okay. Yeah. Do, do, do you ever worry about that? That like, you know, prematurely you're going to, you know, have dementia or something like that? Have you discussed that with your family and said, look, there's a very real possibility. Do you wake up some mornings and go, you know, all of us forget stuff in the morning, but do you start going panicking? Oh, shit, this is it. This is, this is what I've done to myself. Is there any of that going on or you just live your life day to day and don't worry about it? Uh, I, I have thought about that and, you know, as I've gotten older, I do get a little more forgetful, but also there, uh, I, I also have a, on many things, I have a really good memory. So I try to keep my brain as nimble as possible and, uh, read and write the doctors like you know, when you're writing or doing reading, you're you're exercising your brain. So I try to do that every day uh, to keep my keep my brain working because, yeah, I've had a lot of concussions and there is a concern. But I do try to just live my life and and not worry about it. But it's in the back of my mind. Living your life on a day to day basis because you are I'm going to call you an adrenaline junkie. If I may, you know, you love, you love adrenaline, you know, you, you get a, a rush from this stuff is living everyday life a fucking drag for you in the sense that, you know, I know you love your wife and you love your kids and you're great with your cousin and all this stuff, but are you sometimes prone to depression where you go, this is so fucking boring. I, I you know, I, it's just, it's just boring I, because I need that rush of adrenaline in order to get through my day. Honestly, I can turn it on and turn it off. Uh, I'm I'm very situational. Like I know when I get on the set, it's time to turn it on. Right. And when I when I'm at home, I'm just uh, dad. Right. 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 Um, and I don't I don't have a longing like oh I wish I was doing something crazy right now. I love playing with my kids. I love taking them skateboarding or, you know, taking, I help coach my son Rocco's baseball team. I'm the pitching coach and uh, I, I love it. And I, uh, so I don't, I don't long for it, but you know, this, this last concussion did, you know, I did slip into a little bit of a depression uh, with this last concussion uh, which that hasn't happened before, right? So I can't take any more hits to the head. The doctor's like, you just can't take any more hits to the head. What kind of depression do you go through? Like, what 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 do you mean? What was the depression? Um, my my brain was just playing tricks on me, right? Uh, I got really depressed and um. Suicidal? Focused on things. Uh, no, I didn't. We didn't 
get there, but I I did have to start medication for the first time in my life. Wow. And yeah. An antidepressant. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been on that since the spring and it's, it completely turned me around that and, you know, doing therapy and yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really hard recovery from this last injury, but I'm great now. Like, I feel like I'm the best I've ever, healthiest I've ever been. What'd they put you on? I may ask. Lexapro. Lexapro. And, and that elevated your mood to the point that like, were you at the point you couldn't get out of bed and you were just like, what's the point? I don't want to, I, I just, I, I just, uh, there's no motivation here. I don't care anymore. Is that what you bring? Yeah. Did my, you? my motivation was really low. My mood was low. Um, uh, it really, it really had a profound effect on me. Wow. And so, I just, you know, you just. Were you scared? Sure. I was like, yeah, oh no, good. am I going to be like this forever? Right? Yeah. Is this, is this the new me? And I got on that m- medication and within, you know, a couple of weeks, I I felt myself turn around and I was so relieved. Right? Wow. It was scary. Yeah. It was scary. Yeah, I mean, to wake up and suddenly be altered, forget about the wrist, forget about the rib, that'll heal. The 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 brain suddenly going into a depression, for, like out of the blue where you never were depressed before, would scare yeah. the living hell out of me. Like, you know, that's no joke. Yeah, it, it was no joke. And uh, uh, I'm just really happy I'm on the other side of it now because it was... Uh, it was a, a dark time in my life. So if you're, if, if Rocco said to you, first of all, at what age do your kids get to see you doing these stunts? Because it's a lot different than me watching it. This is their dad. Right. And, and do, do, does he ever say to you, Jet, dad, this is what I want to do. I want to be like you. I want to, I oh, want to, no. he doesn't. No, no. Well, he has that same gene in him that my father had and I think that I have. And so it's, we make it very clear to him, like you're not going to do stunts. You're going to go to school. Uh, but I could see him easily, uh, he, go that direction if we weren't on top of him. And, you know, as far as the kids seeing anything, they don't need to see anything where dad gets really hurt or the guys are being naughty. I have shown them a couple of things like where it's not uh, inappropriate, but for by and large, they don't see it. Um, they didn't even know Rocco didn't even know that I did any kind of stunts. The kids didn't know I did any kind of, they thought I was just the embarrassing dad silly dad and then one day Rocco was like six or seven and he comes home we're sitting at the table he goes jackass and I was like we're like what what because we'd never brought that up to him (laughs) but his friends at school brought it up and he wanted to know he's like let's have this discussion because you're keeping something from me and I'm like yeah dad has a show where he does silly pranks and stunts but you can't really see it because it's naughty and you know 
Yeah, I mean, that's a weird thing because, like, I used to say to my kids, and I've talked to my kids about it now, and it was wrong of me to say it. I'd say, yeah, dad's one way on the radio, but that's not me. That's, um, right. you know, but that's not, that's not true. That was me, and me on the radio is me, and all of it is me. And you can't just say, oh, I'm dad at home and I would behave one way. And, you know, it, it, it was somewhat hypocritical. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that is it's you. all part of me. Right. But that's a part I don't show them because I don't think it's appropriate. Like, I'm sure you didn't talk the way at home that you talk on the right. You know, it's like it's not appropriate no. to show them. But they do go and look at it, and then then the action begins, and then you know, and it's a whole it's a that's a whole can of worms. I mean, like I would imagine you would not want Rocco to see you shooting yourself with a gun, you know, when oh, you were a young no. man, you know. But no. he will see it. He will see it. You Unfortunately, know? one day he will see it. Um, yeah, but do you hopefully think, Johnny, can, we can have a discussion about that. <laughs> but Johnny, don't you think in some way? Because, you know, this is your life's work and you are really great at coming up with these stunts and everything. And you are funny with it. In some way, too, though, you're also proud of it. And you'd want to say to Rocco, yeah, there's a weird thing here. I don't want you doing this, but I'm so fucking proud of what I've done because I made millions of people laugh and I made a lot of money doing it. I made a lot of money for the movie studio. I mean, you know, it's a weird thing. Yes, it it is odd. It Um, is odd. I, there is, I am proud of, of, of Jackass as silly as it is, uh, as absurd as it is. I am proud of it. It's something that me and my friends did together and we get to share with the world and the world has responded. They like it. And we never thought it could be on the air as a TV show. We never thought anyone would come to the movies and we're constantly surprised by, by the success we have. So, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't want my son following in my footsteps. Are you like, like if you had a fantasy about your son's future, what would it be? What would you like to see him do? I would like to see him do whatever he has passion for. Right. That's, that's how I feel. But if I was going to be selfish and what I would want him to do, I would love him pitching for, uh, you know, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he's got Every a great day. arm. He's got a All great right. arm. You know, I was a pitcher, and I had a pretty good arm, but he's got a great arm. So, so uh, fingers crossed. My observation about Jackass is there aren't many movies I would like to see in a theater. I'm, you know, I'm a homebody and all that, but there is something about Jackass being seen with an audience. It is funny to see other kids cracking up at the stunts, Jackass 3D, all that stuff. Um, you know, are you releasing this theatrically? Is this going to be in theater? February 4th, we're releasing it theatrically. And yeah, Steve-O said in regards to watching it in a theater, Jackass, you don't want to be on a roller coaster alone. You want to be on a roller coaster with everybody else. Right. And that's a really good assessment of watching Jackass in a theater because it is a group experience and it should be seen that way and uh you know of course we want everyone to be safe during this crazy time but i you do need to watch it in the theater by the way i was reflecting on this the last jackass movie was 10 years ago and i know uh, from talking to you that cast members would lobby you they say johnny please you know 
make another movie, make another movie, make another movie. And I imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine Paramount, um, they must have really wanted you to make another movie because what did the last one make? About $170 million and the budget is very low. I think you intentionally keep it low. You, you, I mean, the budgets are like sure. five, six million bucks, right? Am, am I correct on that? that the, the first one was $6 million, and they've kind of grown since then. Um, but we still keep them as low as possible because we participate in the back end. Right. You know, we're partners with the studio, so we don't want the cost to be high. Why do you, why, um, have they gotten so expensive? Cause when I watch them, I think you purposely keep them looking, you know, let's say, uh, low budget. It's funny. Homemade guys, is almost what you say. Somebody you know what I mean? Yeah. In their backyard. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. It's funny to see dudes doing shit that looks low budget for like, you know, when when you soup it up too much and make it super produced. So but but what is the big expense? Is it the amount? What is the expense? Well, you just you just get bigger, Howard, with each movie you do. Like the first one, we kind of shot it, uh, you know, is like a punk. We shot it like a punk show. Right. Right. And now this last one, it was like if the first one was a punk show, this last one was like a Rolling Stones tour. Right. It, there was trucks. There was the crew just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Right. There's the the you know, we didn't have to deal with the unions as much on the first one. And but on the second one, the unions are like, OK, you guys are official movie. You, you It has to be unionized. And right. we're like, oh, we keep it in line with what they've seen in the past. And that's hard, right? When it's a huge production now, like, you know, the camera guys have assistant cameras, you know, they have assists and all this stuff. And it's just become, it drove us mad. It's like, God, we're so big now, but we still have to stay small in the way we think. Yeah, because there's something weird about having all the cameramen, assistant cameramen, all this, the big trucks and all that kind of shit. But you're right. At the end of the day, when you go in the editing room, you you have full coverage. So if anything funny happens, you got these guys running around. I, I imagine you're really glad you have that kind of coverage. But getting back to my question, you resisted doing a movie for ten years, and you you know, and you were honest. You said, "Listen, guys, I don't want any more concussions. I don't want to go through it anymore." But you, but yet you were writing down ideas for ten years. And yeah. you came up with all of these crazy, how many concepts did you come up for this film? Each stunt gets its own name, I take it. Uh, right. And you keep what? You keep a little journal and you'd write down, you know, it'd be really funny if somebody pogo stick my balls or, or, you know, or, or something like that. Is that what you do? I would, if I got an idea, I would type, I would put Jackass 4 in the subject line and email it to myself right then. Right. And so I did that for 10 years and I didn't know if I wanted to do another movie, not because of concussions or not. I just didn't feel I didn't have that feeling of like, I, I really need to do another movie. Um, and but all that time, I knew that I should keep writing just in case. And then I don't know, around 2018. I started to get that overwhelming feeling that I wanted to do another one. And, uh, and then I couldn't, I couldn't stop 
my thoughts until I had to get Jeff Tremaine and pull him in for a meeting uh, and say, I want to do another one. And, you know, it was in 2018, my father, my mother passed away in 2017, and my dad was really sick in 2018. And I had just left Tennessee after I saw him. And a couple of days later, my sister was like, you need to come back. Dad's taking a turn for the worst. And my dad loved jackass. He loved it. And I had made a decision that I wanted to do another one, but I hadn't told anyone. And dad was going to be the first person I told. And the plane lands and my sister's like, how far away are you? And I said, oh, about 12 minutes. And I get to the hospital and my sister meets me outside and her head drops and she starts crying. And she said, dad just passed. Uh And it was crushing to me because I just wanted to see him and tell him that, uh, I loved him and we're doing another film and how happy that would have made him. So that was tough. That was tough. Uh, I still think about it that I didn't get to tell him, but he knew I loved him. Here's the weird thing that goes through my mind. Maybe I've had too much therapy or not enough. But isn't it interesting in some way? And it sounds like you had a great relationship with your dad, but there's got to be something in you that says, my father loved jackass, which means my father loved seeing me get hurt. Like, you could make the argument, Johnny, that somebody who had a son would say, in the worst way, I don't want to see my son take another shot to the head. Please, son, stop doing it. My mom and dad were very vocal about they didn't like me doing stunts. Right. Very vocal. They loved the pranks. They didn't like the stunts. And because my father pranked everyone growing up, you know, he pranked all his employees constantly. Uh... But nobody in my family likes the stunts. It's and funny for me. Yeah, I understand too because, listen, I'm not in your family, but I know you a little bit. And I, I really admire you and like you as a person. Thank you. And when I watch Jackass, it's funny. I love when you go into the yoga. I'm talking about years ago on MTV. You went into that yoga studio and you're farting. <laughs> and like, I'm just, it's one of my favorite. I've watched that a hundred times. <laughs> Well, you're just blasting off. By the way, are you really blasting on that? On that, when you had gas, or is it? Is it? Uh, no, no, I had a little uh, thing. A fart my... machine. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. all right. Because I love it. The women's reaction to you just blasting off in the studio, and <laughs> <laughs> and I know what you mean. Like, I love seeing you do those stunts. You know, I love it. I love when you're dressed up as an old man and your balls are hanging out. You know, I love all that <laughs> stuff. But to, yeah, sometimes I do. I, I, I worry about you. You know, I mean, this movie is hardcore and it is funny. It's fucking funny as hell. But uh, let you. me ask you about that. Is it was there pressure on you in these modern times to come up with a more diverse cast? I remember the original Jackass was a bunch of white boys. Um, I see there were two new members who are black and there's a woman. In the Jackass yeah. crew. Did someone say, hey, man, we're behind the times here. You've got to, incl- it's got to be more inclusive. We need in- we need to include more Jackasses. Well, we, we, you know, we wanted, we knew we wanted new, new talent. Uh, because it would probably look weird if it's just all the old guys. 
Right. right? So we wanted to bring on new <laughs> cast members. And we just reached out uh, to the people we knew. Uh, we had, Jasper Dolphin was on Loiter Squad. Jeff and Jeff did that. I helped produce. Uh, and Eric Manaka I had made, I had made a movie with. And, right. Um, and so we just reached out to our friends and it's in the case of Rachel, we're like, we did think, yeah, let's, you know, why not? Let's, let's have, let's open it up. Let's have, let's, it's, it's all, it's, uh, all skate, you know, let's bring a girl on, bring a couple of girls in. And, uh, so Rachel, I had, I didn't know Rachel, but I was a fan of hers on Instagram, Rachel Wolfson. Right. And, and we brought her in and talked to her. She's hilarious. She's super smart. Her, her, her mom's, I believe, a, a judge. Her dad's a district, district attorney in Vegas. Her sister's an attorney. She comes oh, wow. from a very good family. <laughs> I like didn't know her that. mom, she, she's like the same person who sent OJ to jail is the same person who sent, uh, me to my room growing up. She goes, but we both got out. <laughs> <laughs> that's right she's funny and who comes up with the idea that you're going to give rachel um the, all the women want big lips now so we're going to take a scorpion and in order to give her those big full lips we're going to have the scorpion bite her lips who comes up with that is that you Nah, uh, i think maybe jeff tremaine came up with that uh jeff comes up with a lot of great ideas uh, that one i'm pretty sure it was jeff's so and Rachel is tough. Like Ooh, we would have yeah. her do things, and you know she l licked the stun gun, and yeah. really <laughs> didn't. It didn't really phase her, right? If it was one of right. the guys who did that, they would have been screaming and falling over. But Rachel's tough as nails. There's a, you know, what I love about Jackass, and it's, you know, people have said to me, "Oh, you're so immature, Howard." This is, you know, this is my kind of humor. But I, there's nothing funnier than guys taking out their penises. And doing shit with their penises. The movie opens up. I, Beth got it before I did. Um, I don't think I'm giving away anything, but um, it, it, there's an attack in the beginning. It's a, a, the, the biggest production piece I've ever seen in a jackass movie where oh my. Uh, Godzilla Godzilla invades a village. But Godzilla is this guy's cock and balls. And uh, <laughs> it, it, to me, there's nothing better than that. And, and, and I don't know why. What is it about cock and balls, about that guy who smashes his penis in the pieces of plastic and flattens out? I didn't know a penis could flatten out that much. I mean, that shit's crazy. Pontius, yes. Pontius yeah. has a very fierce monster in his pants. Yes, he it, does. It, it... <laughs> who is bigger, Pontius or Steve-O? Steve-O's got a big cock. He loves showing that thing off. Steve-O's got a nice one, but Pontius is, is about 50% bigger. Right. Um, oh, my God. These guys. It's, it's a you... big part of the franchise, his cock. Do you so. not show your cock on film because you're not that big? Uh, like, I would love to do cock humor, but I can't. I'm too tiny, and it would be a humiliation that I'd never get over. Uh, you know? what? It, it looks like an egg in a nest, Howard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Are you jealous of the guys who do their cock and ball humor? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, no, no. I mean, it's 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 not the smallest. It's not the biggest. Uh, right. But but <laughs> but it, you know. Uh, when you when you guys do these movies, I, I I can't wrap my head around this. So 
when everyone signs on to do a jackass movie, and it seems to me, unless I'm 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 a, I'm an idiot, it seems to me that some of these stunts really you could die doing them. There's no question yeah. in my mind. Sure. Do they all sign an agreement that says, look, there will be no lawsuit if if I lose my life, my family can't come after you. They you know they can't come after the production because I mean these really are life threatening stunts, and you know. Some lawyer could come back and go, didn't you know this was dangerous? But they, everyone there knows, but they, there should be some agreement signed that everyone says, look, we understand what's happening and we're willing to die for this movie. Uh, I, I don't think that we sign any agreement, any rights away as far as that, but everyone knows that that's what we've signed up for, right? Mm. We're here yeah. doing Is there it, an and... insurance that you can get? Because usually they insure movies. Yes, we we do get insured. I think on the TV show we maybe lost our insurance at some point. And <laughs> on on the first movie, they didn't insure the movie as a whole. They insured it per bit. So some bits made it cost prohibitive to do them. Uh there was one bit where we wanted to dress Pontius up as the devil and send him into a Pentecostal church and uh handle snakes. Uh, the the poisonous snakes, and they said that was going to be five million dollars to to insure, and that's that was the budget of our first film. Basically, it was six, so that would have been to double our budget. So okay, we can't do that. And well, but, 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 but now but they insure talk... them as a whole, except for, really? you know, we did have one bit in this movie that we wanted to do. I can't really go into. Can what I it guess? Because one day we yeah. Can I guess? Oh, oh, you mean there's a bit they wouldn't oh, go ahead because I, I I thought you meant there was a bit in the movie that was tough to insure. But you say there's one you wanted to do that they didn't. Yeah, insure? Be, there's going to be like a ten million dollar deductible. What right? was the bit? I that's what I can't. I, that's I shouldn't have brought it up because I can't. We may film it one day, but it was a bit with Dave England, and there was going to be uh, a surgery required. And, oh my god! And <laughs> and we were like. God, do we just go down to Tijuana and get it done? <laughs> you know, we don't have to. <laughs> Isn't it, it a bitch? For... Isn't it terrible when there's something you want to put in a film and you just can't do it for something? Like, I used to go through that on the radio. There were things I wanted to do, but, they, you know, management would step in and go, listen, you do that. You, we, we can't. You, you know, you just can't. It drives you crazy, right? This bit. You want uh, this bit shot. It's one of the most frustrating things to have to happen because it's a great idea and you want people, people have to see this, right? And and you work it up in your mind, and then they come back with that. And you do go through a few days of trying to just let it work out of your system. It still it hurts. I can't imagine what the insurance would be on a bit like the one I saw in the new movie. This guy's sitting there. Forgive me for not knowing his name. He's one of the newer guys. and Or maybe it was Wee Man. Re refresh my memory. He's sitting there. He's tied up to a chair. There's meat in his underpants, and then a live, a big grizzly fucking bear comes into the room and starts uh, basically gnawing at his dick. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, they pour honey get... on him, and then they yeah. put the meat in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to add insult to injury, and the bear. I mean, I mean, how do you know? I mean, I don't even know we what don't. How I would. No, we how don't do you get know. That what if that bear bit off his dick? I mean, well, how do you get that insured? What does the insurance guy say about that bit? Well, I mean, there's certain things <laughs> we get to. A, you get to a certain point and you don't know because uh, that's Aaron McGeehee, right? 
Right. And bears go through a series of things that they do where, okay, they, they first come up and they give you a, a little nudge and they expect to get a reward, right? <laughs> yeah. And then after that, they'll give a little nibble and then they expect a reward. And then they'll give a bite and they expect a reward. And if you don't give a reward after that, they're going to get aggressive and maybe rip his dick off. Oh, so right. we had to like try to guess like, okay, is this, is this the number three step or the four step? And the bear was starting to bite his penis. So we had to step in because we didn't want him to rip it off. Well, I like how you say we had to step in. The guy who stepped in was the animal trainer. You would have, I think, let him rip his dick off. I, I didn't see you stepping in at all. Yeah, I mean, the guy that's with fair. The, 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 the trainer was the only one saying, I got to get in there now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's very he, fair. Yes. It, it's really, it's really fucking remarkable movie. I mean, all these movies are. Um, was Paramount also putting pressure on you to put, come up with another jackass movie because there is tremendous profit in it? Uh, but was that part of the pressure too to do another one? No, the Paramount has never pressured us because they, they realize that this is something that's, you know, we're putting our lives on the line and, and we know that they want another, but they've always been wonderful partners and they never put pressure. The cast, on the other hand, have really, you know, I would get an email like at least once a year, once every year and a half. And usually Dave England had written it. And right. like, what are we doing? What do we do? We need to be making another film. And sometimes Dave would be very angry at me in his emails. And then the other cast would pipe in with responses. And it, but I, and it, yeah, sure, that's pressure. But I just felt that I, I, I don't think that I'm ready to make another one. I don't know if we should make another one. And, but I remember, uh, uh, in around 2018, David sent another one of those emails. And by that time, I had had the talk with Jeff telling him I wanted to make another one. And he sent that email like, we need to make another one. We need to make another one. And I texted Jeff. I said, should I just say yes? He goes, no, let's set up a dinner. And so we set up a dinner with everyone. And, you know, we let him know. I can only imagine that dinner, though, the jackass crew. <laughs> but you know what? You know what it is? Why it sucks to be you? Because... It, you know, in a way, you start to feel guilty, too. You know, maybe some guys need money. Maybe some guys, you know, are a little more desperate for this thing. Sure. And suddenly you're the guy who won't okay their movie. And they get angry with you. And they get frustrated with you. But, you know, that's your creative process. You've got to be really psyched up for this thing. Yeah. No, I do. I do have concerns for the guys in their situation. But I can't let that affect our decision to make a movie because I think that would affect the quality of the movie. Like, I can only agree to make a movie when I have that overwhelming feeling to make a movie and I can get obsessed with it and think nothing about nothing but the movie. So that's when the decision is made. I am I do get obsessed. with the yeah, I'm impressed with Steve O's sobriety, the and yes. also impressed with the stunts he did in the movie. Uh, Steve O, uh, boy, he steps up every time. You know, whether he's got those bees on his cock or he's getting slammed with some shit in his, you know, he just really fucking. He is a hardcore dude. I don't know what the. I mean, he's sort of a kindred spirit to you. And even this new guy, um, a poopies, 
Poopies. Poopies. When you were calling them poopies, I go, I don't like that name, poopies. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, that's a good name, poopies. Um, Yeah. But it seems like uh, Steve-O really steps up. When you say to that guy, just fucking do this, he does it. He just has balls. Yes, Uh, Steve-O is, I I am so proud of Steve-O and his sobriety, blown away by it. I mean, people call me brave. That's real bravery to... uh, to be where he was and to just face it head on. And uh, how did he do it, Johnny? How did Steve-O get sober? I mean, this motherfucker was eating cocaine like like I eat food. I mean, he was just, uh, he was an addict's addict, uh, out of control. Willingness. He got sober because he wanted to get sober. You can't make anyone get sober. Of course, we took him and threw him in. We 5150'd him. But... There had to be a switch in his brain that said, I want to get sober. And it happened while he was inside, right? And uh, and to his credit, he stayed sober, which is amazing. That's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a given. We know it's not a given. He's had to work his ass off to stay sober. You know, uh, and I understood him being out of control with the shit he does to his body. I mean, I'm surprised you're not an addict. I, I really, yeah. uh, with what you guys do. Uh, the the high wire you walk, hell, it doesn't come as a shock when I see Steve O slammed out of his brain and and high. Uh, the yeah. fact that he can still do those stunts and stay sober, man, old power to that guy. And uh, I'm, I'm very yeah. impressed with him. Yeah, and he's funny as hell in the movie. He's he's, he's one of great. those guys you got to see him in the movie. He's important. Now he there were, famously, uh, I don't know how much you you talk about this, but. He he held out at the beginning. He felt he should get more money than what the production was willing to pay him. Yeah. Uh, he later apologized to you for his behavior. He said, I think I was a little bit too uh, vehement in my uh, my demands and my negotiation. But he felt he deserved more money, and he did get more money, right? Um, yeah, he got, a, he got a, a little more, and he got a credit. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was tense with the negotiations with Steve-O and, you know, us. And it got to a point where he was angry at us, and I got a little upset at him. And uh, why and, were you upset? In other words, who who can say what you know? I mean, hey, I want more money. What, you were upset because he was holding up the production. It, 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 was it wasn't. Being, it was more than that. It got a little. It got a little ugly, right? Personal. And I, yeah, it got personal. And I would like to say that. I could have handled it better, and, and Steve-O's admitted he could have handled it better. And, you know, once we got through the negotiations, he and I had a sit-down and a talk and just aired everything out because you can't go into that with resentments. You can't have resentments on a set where you're doing things, stunts that your life's on the line. Everyone has to be in a positive mood because... right. You can't be in a negative mood. If anyone's like negative or off and we're doing something dangerous, we bounce them. We bounce them from set because you can't have that uh, lingering. But Steve-O and I talked and we love each other and uh, we got through it and we had a wonderful time on the movie. He's amazing in the movie. I'm so proud of him. Every day I'm proud of Steve-O, you know? Is is that what happened with Bam? I, I mean, I've had Bam on my show a million times and I know... He, he he couldn't be in this production. In other words, there was a vibe on the set that uh, somehow uh, couldn't allow him to continue being in the in the Jackass franchise. Is that is that pretty much the summation on your part? 
Um, well, you know, there's there's litigation, so I don't know how much I can say about it. But we all wanted Bam in the movie desperately. Desperately, we right. love Bam. Right. Like we love Bam, and even though there's litigation, I love Bam. I just, I just want to see do. him get better and healthy, right? Because right, you see your friend, and you try to help, and you can't help someone unless they want want the help. Like Steve O, he a light, uh, you know, a uh, 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 light switch in him where he wanted the help. There was willingness, so we want that for Bam. Yeah, you know, I feel for you as the leader of that whole thing. The fact that you even have to negotiate with Steve-O or with Bam or any of the guys, it's like you the part of you that got into this, you just want to have the fun and do the movie. You don't want to be the boss, you know? You don't want to, right? But it's, it's part just, of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. part of it. And it's not just the cast. It's the crew, too. Like, yep. we're friends. We've had the crew for 20 years. And we're all friends, but it's like, oh, there's this business thing that comes up that we have to deal with. Yep. And uh, it's it's one of the more uncomfortable parts of the job, but it's part of the job. So we deal with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that's scary. than the stunts. You know, sure. No, it's not fun being the boss. You know, it, it is not. Yeah. Uh, you don't you don't. I never got in radio to be the boss. I got in radio because <laughs> I want to get on the air and do dopey shit, you know, and, and entertain exactly. people in their car. You know, so it's so crazy. Um, one of the stunts is <laughs> just so great. This movie, you got to go see it. Johnny uh, leads a makeshift marching band on a tuba <laughs> uh, uh, and, 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 and there's a treadmill and you have to march onto the treadmill. And then with your instruments and stuff, you get thrown by the treadmill. How fast is that treadmill going, by the way? It seems to be on the highest speed possible. It was on the highest speed, and, you know, it was on, like, 15 miles an hour, which doesn't sound like much. But, oh, yeah. I mean, like, Steve-O got a concussion from it. I busted my head wide open from it, probably lightly concussed. It, it took a few of us out. Yeah. Oh, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, they I mean, were too. walking at a 90-degree <laughs> angle to the treadmill. They're not walking on the treadmill like you're supposed to walk on the treadmill. No, no. And they step on it, and, and you're holding stuff, and you go. And, I mean, it is funny, but, I mean, the concussion, I mean, it's just it's, it's such crazy, crazy business. Yeah? Before I run out of time with you, Johnny, talk to me about a couple of things. First of all, this Instagram account of yours has really grown. I mean, you got a couple of million people watching that thing. I'm always talking about it, and I always tell people to go oh, sign up. Oh, thank you. Follow you on Instagram because really what it is, it's an amalgamation of different people all over the country sending you fucked up videos of them getting themselves in weird situations and getting hurt. No, it's like in my spare time, Howard, I find these videos, right? Oh. I find these videos myself in my spare time and I will pick a song that I want to put to the video. So I send it to my assistant, Megan. And say, Megan, I want the, the, the slam to occur on the cymbal crash at 115 in the song. So oh. it's, it's, I love looking for stupid videos and putting them to music. Um, but you would, that, to me, that would be a full time job. I mean, to go, I mean, I don't know where to look to find videos of people, you know, hurting themselves and fucking up and like a woman like stepping out of a car and then falling into a ditch. How do you, how do you, it's like, how do you zero in on this shit? Where, where do you find this? I just, I, there's a few places on the web where I look and, <laughs> and, and also like, it's not just, I also, sometimes I'll see a video. I'm like, oh, 
if we did that or this and we added this to it, that would be a bit. So sometimes I get inspired. So right. it's, it's kind of work for me, too. Uh, but I yeah. love it. I love doing it. And, yeah, I my Instagram's doing good. But I lost like 100,000 followers during George Floyd because I during the tragedy because I came out and was like, this is disgusting. And I like, how can this be happening? The, the man lost his life. And I had I had my my Instagram started to shrink. And I was really? like, good. I'm glad I I'm glad I lost those people. I'm glad that we cleaned house. I don't want those people following me. Wow. People kind of politically, uh, you know, your, your, your Instagram is so non-political. And but so, I did take a stand during George Floyd. Right. I was like, this yeah. is the, I can't be quiet about this. And right. my, my Instagram is non-political, but the one time I took a, uh, it's not even political. It was like just a basic human on a basic human level. This is disgusting. Right. Right. Um, yeah, sure. And those people are gone, and I'm I'm happy. And uh, but you know, I'm uh, been promoting the Royal Rumble the, uh, for this Saturday night, and, and it's that's been the growing again. And with the movie, it's been growing again. By the way, I'm going to be slinging those wrestlers out of the ring like paper airplanes. <laughs> I, I I've be been following Knox this. Airlines nonstop into the fifth row, Howard. I've been watching you on your Instagram, and that's how I keep tabs on you. Um, and, uh, and, and I've been watching this move into professional wrestling. You're, you're now in the wrestling world and yeah. I, and I, and it, it's so over the top crazy. Like that. I saw that clip of you throwing that wrestler out of the ring after you stun gun him in the ring. Oh yeah. Um, that low down and dirty Sammy Zayn. Is that who you're talking about? Howard? <laughs> that's exactly what I'm ter- talking about. Boy, oh boy, you taught him a lesson, man. Yeah. And you, you beat the shit out of him. But let me, let me ask you something. So you got involved in this. The wrestling. I assume you said to yourself, hey, I got a movie coming out. What's a better place to promote Jackass than the WWE? And so you agree to become, quote unquote, a wrestler, right? Is that how is that how your mind worked around this whole thing? Well, we were doing a promotion backstage at the WWE and and their head writer took me and Jeff Tremaine out in the hall. And he's like, you want to make a run for the Rumble? I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what, 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 it, what do you mean? And he's like the Royal Rumble. I was like, oh yeah, for sure. And so then I've just been, you know, I've been, you know, training 24 seven Howard and flipping huge truck tires over the fence. The neighbors are so angry. Truck tires weigh about the same as that, uh, uh, that, that pretty boy, Austin theory. Uh, but you don't even try to pretend that you know, like you just walk in the ring and beat the shit out of these guys. And it's I'm so gonna, funny to I'm me to walk in the ring and make their life a living hell. Howard, <laughs> are you having fun doing that? Or do you, you sit there and go, this is ridiculous. It's the most fun thing. Like I wake up every morning and I'm talking shit all day long. I spend a lot of my time on the WWE Instagram arguing with people. It's so fun. It's like brought out this childlike thing in me of like the wrestling and 
the fans get caught up in it. I mean, I think they would say, oh, gee, well, you know, Johnny's acting right now. But no, they're caught up in this whole no, thing. No, Johnny is not it. acting. Johnny is fully on board. <laughs> Johnny has left <laughs> the building. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things was when, you know, uh, before Trump got into politics. But it was funny when Trump would fight with Vince McMahon. And they actually had a wrestling match. Like, to me, that was really, you know, I enjoyed that. I, I didn't enjoy him as president, but I enjoyed him wrestling. I mean, it is funny. When you when you uh, decided to have cameos in the new Jackass movie, like you got Machine Gun Kelly and you got Eric Andre, did you um, did you approach anybody who said, fuck you, Johnny, I am not going to do a cameo in your uh, movie because I'm scared shitless of this. Uh, were there people you reached out to who said, no way? I... Don't believe there were um, because we usually reach out to people we have a relationship with. Right. So everyone agreed. There's a cameo that we wanted to work in the movie, but by the time we heard about it, it was too late. Bruce Dern had contacted uh, someone from, you know, one of our, and they're like, Bruce Dern wants to be in Jackass. And we're like, that, I, we would love Bruce Dern to be in Jackass, but now <laughs> we're kind of done filming. Isn't Bruce Dern like he's got to be in his eighties now, right? I mean, Bruce Dern. He'd be great, you know. He'd, he'd been Peanut Gallery. He'd been Peanut Gallery on something, you know. Oh man, imagine him getting smacked in the balls at eighty something years old. It would have been unbelievable. Is there anything worse than testicle pain? When there's a scene where you do that punching on that big fat guy, you put his balls through a uh, like a device. And then you guys are using that punch. You, you you take that punching uh, device and punch him in the balls a couple of times. I, I I can't even stand when someone touches my balls, let alone get punched in the balls. Yeah, Preston Lacey went through hell on that one. Uh, He's funny. Um, That's the fact, dude. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was like yeah. I think it was two. I think it was just two sawzalls we put together, and so they were going back and forth with great force. <laughs> how and, how did uh, your nut? But how does his nuts survive that? I mean, you're beating his nuts up with 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 punching bags i mean what do you what what do you what do you what how do I, I mean is this guy doubled over for like a week after that i i think there was some swelling and bruising god what about when well, he throws I mean, himself on top of those stick he yeah. was bleeding from his testicles yeah yes. ripped him wide open bad. oh Ooh. oh let me tell you something that that was hard for me to handle when i saw his balls Ripped open like that? I'm like, oh, my God, this poor son of a bitch. I mean, your balls. Might be his kids in there. I don't know. I think, you know I, well, he's had a kid since then. So. Oh, he has. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, yeah. so everything's all right. <laughs> Did you worry about Preston having a heart attack during some of these stunts? Because he is grossly overweight. I mean, he's funny to look at, but, uh, I mean, Jesus, I, I, I'd be afraid of that. No, like, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's not that's not in the back of our mind when we're filming. Uh so, of course, we don't want anything uh, permanent to happen to one of the guys. And we've been very lucky, knock on wood. Zach Holmes, another fat guy, does that paragliding over the cactus. Oh, my God. I mean, that is wild. That is yeah. just wild stuff. Oy vey. Zach is great. He's one of those guys like poopies. It's like whatever you ask him to do, he'll do. So we got to be careful with that. We got to be careful yeah. what we ask them to do because they're going to do it. Uh, it's a it's a strange power to have, and you can't you got to really think about it. Yeah, those guys, the young guys, they worship you. Like there's one scene in the film where you know you do the the stunt with the bull, which is the most hardcore, 
And then one guy goes, I forget who says it, goes, yeah, well, that's why he's the king or that's why he's the boss, you know, talking about you. What's he say? What's the quote? He goes, that's why he's the, the man or something. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Is that Steve-O saying that's why I'm the captain? Yeah, Maybe. that's it. Steve-O goes, that's yeah. why he's the captain. Yeah. I mean, see, that's the thing that drives you, too. You want that respect from these guys. That's why you keep going and getting more and more concussions because you want to show these guys this is how it's done. This is how we do it. Um, I do value the respect I have from the guys. Um, and I do feel like I have to set an example. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a complicated thing why I do what I do. I haven't really un, unwound it all, Howard. <laughs> I also like that silence of the lambs bit you dreamt up where the lights are shut off and the guys can't see anything and there's a snake loose in the room. That's fucking oh. cool. That was the initial idea of Jeff Trebane, and we just added on to it together. So that's one of that's one of the highlights of the movie and one of the it is. pranks that will go down <laughs> as one of the classic jackass pranks. It's great. Well, listen, congratulations on the movie. Uh, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in so many years. Yeah, great to see you. Yeah, you're being safe jackass with this coat. Forever. Have, yeah. It's, by the yes. way, yes. It's called Jackass Forever. Premieres in theaters Friday, February fourth. Have you had COVID at all? I imagine you're not even afraid of COVID. I mean, uh, I am afraid. Of, I was death. I'm deathly afraid of COVID. I haven't had COVID yet. I'm I'm vaxxed, double vaxxed. Uh, got the booster. Being as careful as I can be. Um, you know, have children. Uh, yeah. It's 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 this very serious thing that we're dealing with. I know, man. I, someone invited me out to dinner the other, and I, I turned them down. I got, I'm, I haven't even made that move yet, going out to dinner in, in uh, yeah, two years. I have I'm, gone out to dinner, but I, I always will. It, you know, it has to be like an outside restaurant, right? Uh, um, but for the longest time, I didn't, and yeah, it's uh, in in, in filming Jackass during a pandemic, we're we're filming the most dangerous movie in the safest way possible. Like everyone's wearing a mask, like wear a mask until you get to the bull ring and then take off the mask and get your brains bashed then. Yeah. 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 And then put the mask yeah. back on when you get the ambulance. <laughs> what a weird fucking thing. Yeah. Guys, wear your mask. Be safe. Now go, now go, uh, go electroshock your balls in front of the world. Oh my God. Unbelievable. It's just really the cra I think you've had the craziest life ever when I, yeah. when I think about it. Um, I, have you lost any friends personally over the fact that, um, they're either for Trump or they're anti-vax? Um, have you met anyone in your world like that? I, I have met. There are people I know that have, you know, revealed themselves to me <laughs> and <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's 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 a very tough situation. Sometimes I just kind of step back. Right. It's like yeah. um, I don't know what to say to that person. I we're, we're kind of far apart. Yeah. I don't know. And and sometimes Sometimes I suspect, but I don't ask, you know, because I don't want to know what what they're thinking. <laughs> yeah, the uh, country's so divided, man. I mean, uh, so wild. Hey, you know what? Before you go, the funny story I heard about you was uh, you, you've developed this friendship with Eric Andre, and he got COVID, 
and on Christmas Eve, you wanted to cheer him up. So I left with your, your, I love what you do, uh, in your mind, what cheering someone up is you toilet papered his entire house and Eric didn't know it was you. And then he, he took out a gun and almost shot you. Yes. Uh, and then you said to him, you weren't upset about it. You said, Oh, this, if you shoot me, that would be good promotion for Jackass forever. Like you were always oh, he was, the businessman. I was toilet paper in his house and, uh, he kept yelling out the he kept yelling out the door. I've called the cops. I've called the cops. I have a gun. I have a gun and I'm just I'm doubled over, right? And then I go up to his door and I put my face against the, his glass door and he's screaming at me and he walks up and he sees me. He's like, "Oh, you motherfucker." And he goes, "The cops are coming right now." I'm like, "Don't tell them that it's me. Just let them come arrest me. It'll be great." And he goes, "I could have shot you, you know." I'm like, that would have been even better. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's no fear factor. Do you think he will ever mature? I mean, thank God you've stayed immature. You know what I mean? Thank God. <laughs> I hope I don't mature. Like, right. why? Why? I don't. I'm 50. I don't need to mature now. Oh, man. Johnny Knoxville at 50. Who knew? And look at you, man. You've gone gray. You know, people don't know this. Johnny went gray, his hair I'm talking about. Uh, when you were about what, 18 or so, your hair was I started getting gray. a little flex of gray. And in my twenties, my mid to late twenties, I had to start coloring my hair. Right. And now you've said, finally, fuck it. I'm gray. Yeah. I, and, and I'm, I am liberated. I am free of hair coloring, which must be great because I know as a man going into a, a salon and having to tinfoil your head, uh, can be awfully humiliating, worse than any jackass stunt. Am I correct? <laughs> it was like it was at every three weeks, and then it's like like every two, like in two weeks, you can see see the gray. It was just a hassle, and right. now I'm gray and I'm <laughs> loving damn. it. And if all else goes sideways in my life, I can get a job as a Jamie Lee Curtis impersonator. <laughs> that's so true and you have gray pubes i assume uh, i would only uh, think that it's dark down there but there are uh, a couple there are a couple down there and that's something well you learn something yeah. every day yeah well it's yeah. a nice gray johnny it's not you know some gray is not great but you have uh, a nice thank you head of thank you robin here. yes Oh, Aww. Robin, she wants you. You know, my <laughs> wife thinks you're the best looking. I, every minute. I, I watch Jackass. I'm enjoying the stunts. My wife's like, boy, Johnny's a really good looking guy. Johnny's a really Aww. good looking guy. Johnny's that. I go, you know what? Why don't you go marry fucking Johnny? All right. <laughs> best an angel. Like you guys she are wonderful it. together. I'm so happy for you guys. She loves your wife, Naomi. And the whole time we're watching the movie, she's like, I wonder what Naomi thought of this stunt. I wonder what Naomi. I'm sure she's upset that Johnny's doing this. Um, uh, you know, she's looking at it from Naomi's point of view. I go, honey, right. you're, you're sucking the humor out of this fucking thing. If you keep bringing up Naomi. Well, she's so empathetic. <laughs> yes. Yes, she is. Well, there you go. Johnny, by the way, he, he didn't tell us this, but I read it in GQ. This is going to be his final jackass movie. That's what well, I was that's, wondering. That, yes. you know, I'm stepping back from large stunts. There, who knows if there'll uh, be another jackass? There could be another jackass with a younger crew and then just mm -hmm. pepper in the old guys here and there. It's possible. I'm not saying it's the last jackass, but I am saying that I can't take any more hits to the head. I've, I've done enough. And for myself and my family, I'm, I've officially retired from that. You paid Good. your dues. Uh, cause and, I hate uh, it even look. when you walk toward that cannon, you know, it was like, 
Oh, he's right. going to do that again. <laughs> I love that cannon stunt. I love watching you get shot out of a cannon. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you man, know what I loved about it? Because thank God they did the slow-mo. Because I was like, did he extend his arms and show the wings? And you do. <laughs> That's all I was concerned with, Rob. Is like, no matter what happens, I want to extend the wings. I wanted to get that. And I did that. And I'm like, whatever else, whatever else happens is gravy. <laughs> you are a maniac. By the way, Johnny has also said that pepper spray is one of the most painful things to endure. And uh, pepper spray. It's, it's, it's one of the worst. Why, why is it? Is it the stinging in the eyes? Is that the, or the, 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 the lack of breathing? Like it takes away your breath, right? Yeah. And, and for 15 or 20 minutes, it's like someone lit a fire in your eyes and put it out with gasoline. Oh. It is. I mean, the stun, the stun gun, you have to get close to someone to do it, so that's dangerous. The taser gun shoots the darts at you. Sometimes the darts don't stick in, so that's dangerous. But pepper spray, if it hits your eyes, you are toast. The, the, the stun gun, when it, when it hits you, what, is it a lack of muscle control that happens to you? What is the feeling yes. when the stun gun? Is that, is that what it is? Like your just body goes limp? You lose control? Yeah, your body goes limp with, uh, uh, well, in my case, it went limp the first time. Uh, I've, I've since been stun gunned before and I've, uh, since, and I've maintained muscle control, but, uh, with the taser gun, you definitely lose control, like of muscles. You go down like a 29 cent pair of socks. Could you shit so, your pants doing that? Like, would you lose control of your anus? I probably could, but I didn't. Right. right. Hey, so you know, oh, I know what I had to tell you. This is so fucking crazy. So I, I don't even know how this happened. I got like an archive, you know, from the show. We saved for a while. We were saving everything. I got to get rid of all this junk. Right. I'm going through this shit and throwing stuff out. You know what I have? You gave me a catheter. You remember when you used to have to stick that catheter up your dick two times a day? For three and a half years. Yes. For three. Yeah. Remember that? Well, yeah, I, I, in this warehouse, I'm like, am I, did I save the fucking catheter you gave me (laughs) that went up your penis hole? And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I got it. I mean, I still have, I'm probably going to give it away on the air with your permission, but, uh, um, yeah, yes, please. Yeah. 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 That's all. Your dick's okay though. Right. Everything functional. Everything's fine. Oh, no, uh, I've had two kids since then. Right. And no Viagra, right? Everything works. Everything works. Harder Jesus. than a turnbuckle, Howard. There was a thing in the news. You, this guy's not, this guy, I should, I should tell you this. This is, this will just fucking fascinate you. And then I'll let you get out of here. There was a thing in the news. If I can find it. Some dude, 45-year-old guy, accidentally filled his urethra with weatherproofing foam as a a do-it-yourself treatment for erectile dysfunction. The guy was having trouble getting it. So he came up. So he injected into his dick uh, this foam, which evidently is so burning and everything else. Uh, he tried putting a straw up his urethra to make himself hard. The foam shot through his entire urethra, filling up his bladder. Afterward, he started to urinate blood. He waited three weeks to get treatment. Waited three, three weeks? weeks? To get... Yeah. Um, it's listed as an accident, but come on. I, I mean, I don't know what was going on. There were warnings all over the bottle. And then, um, what? And then, and then, and <laughs> there's then, warnings and then they, not to put it in your penis. And, then, and they couldn't get the, yeah. And they, yeah, they were like, don't, don't put this in your dick. And, no, I mean, uh, your eyes and your mouth. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you got to figure that too. Uh, why didn't they, we think it, of this? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I go, this guy should be in jackass. Doctors could not, 
Doctors cannot remove all the phone out with endoscopic surgery, so they cut him through his perineum, the skin between the penis and the anus, also known Ooh, as the taint. The, the and taint, the gooch. Yes. He, the gooch. <laughs> and they, 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 had to, they had to dig out the shit from his gooch. That and the guy awful. didn't even... And he didn't even film it, Johnny. What is going on in America? <laughs> that, it could have been on your Instagram. That's the most uh, irresponsible you, you part think, of the story. Yes, yeah, but you're not filming. Out the best part. Did it make him hard? Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, he's he's now all man. I don't know what the fuck happened. I, That's uh, terrible. A terrible story. But he said it was an accident because he was just trying to put the straw up there to get hard. But then he accidentally <laughs> triggered the. Uh, who you know? I, I, I don't know. Oh my god! Accident. <laughs> That's like everyone hey, who goes into the emergency room with something up their butt. They slipped and <laughs> fell on it. <laughs> you know? Come yeah. on. What's what's the odds of slipping and falling on a tuna can all the way up your ass? <laughs> Jackass Forever premieres in theaters Friday, February 4th. Johnny Knoxville will be tossing wrestlers in the Royal Rumble this Saturday night. He manhandles some of these guys. These pussies oh my God. don't even know how to fight. And Johnny just fucking kicks their ass. You That's can, right. Oh, how's... Uh, Johnny and his cousin Roger Allen Wade, who's one of the funniest guys, do a um, a, uh, a Sirius XM Outlaw Country. They do a, uh, a show. Uh, how's that going? Okay, great. The big ass happy family jubilees on Saturday nights at uh, eight p.m. Eastern, five Pacific. You've it been ain't doing too that a good, while, but it's long. Yeah, you've been doing it a while. Yeah, over we've done over five hundred shows, and we love it. It's the highlight of my week to get to talk to my cousin and do a show with him. He is so talented and so funny. He is so funny. This guy does song parodies. They're so funny. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Willie Nelson before. Do you hang with Willie? Who do you hang with, by the way? I know you hang with Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, but I mean, who are you yeah, hang with? Yeah, I, I love, I honestly, I, I mostly just hang with my kids. Um, are you friends with I, Willie Nelson? I, I love Willie. What, am I friends with who? Willie Nelson. Like, oh, yeah. I love, I love, I idolize the man. Uh, do do you the, go... Do you play chess with him and hang out and uh, get high with him and stuff? I have gotten high with Willie, and it's it's a commitment, Howard. It's like it's I can it's like an acid trip. I don't do good on weed, right? right I don't do good. It makes me dizzy. Like my hearing goes. I don't. I like the idea of weed. I support everyone who smokes it. But Willie's weed is the strongest. Sometimes people just fall over and pass out from it. <laughs> right. And but. You, when Willie passes you a joint, you can't say no to Willie Nelson. Right. So I take a hit, and it always crushes me. The one hit crushes you. One hit annihilates me. And, and it annihilates you in the sense that you're there with Willie. You'd love to hang with him. And then you're annihilated, and the whole night you're like, oh, everyone's laughing at me, and everyone's fucking, you know. You know like, like, it ruins the night, right, for you. That's how it does for me. It's, it, yeah, because I just go bye-bye. I it I yeah. can't fun I can I literally cannot function and Willie thinks it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> you know? Were you there when he has this group of guys? I I, I wanted to go play chess with him because I know he's a big chess player. I don't yeah. know if you play. Do you play at all? I don't play chess. Um, right, but I know Willie does. I know you do. I'd love to see you and Willie play chess, and he would definitely pass you that joint. And how would you handle it, Howard? I don't know. You know, I I, I succumb to peer pressure very easily. Like I don't I. I loved I when I was a kid and I would smoke weed. I loved the whole ritual of it. I love passing yeah. around with my friends. It's so cool. The weed, the this, and all the accoutrements, the pipes, the this, the that. I loved it, but I do not like the high. It just would fuck me up and ruin Same. my day. So mm -hmm. yeah, but I don't know. Would I succumb to Willie's? I think I would say no at this point. I would like to think that. 
I'd be strong enough to say no to Willie's weed. It would scare the shit out of me. Maybe I'd pretend. I'd be like. I've tried that before, too. Like I'll put the joint just right front of my lips. Yeah, yeah. And try to, and, but, but, but then like I'll accidentally inhale and I'll start coughing and, and right. then I'm just like, oh, I'm fucked. Yeah. I get so paranoid. They have to like bring me back to my hotel room or something if I'm with people, you know what I mean? Or if I'm, sure. you know, and that's it. I don't, I don't want to be a mess like that. That's it. That's it. All right. Listen, yeah. Johnny, you've said it all. You've promoted the film, but in the most entertaining of ways, you've had a glimpse into your life. Jackass Forever premieres in theaters Friday. Seeing it with a group, you know, it's 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 worthwhile. I know, you know, we got to be careful. Yeah, but uh, certainly seeing uh, all all the people together laughing at that shit February fourth will be something. And Johnny's going to toss those wrestlers in the Royal Rumble Rumble this Saturday night. They've had it, Howard. They've had it. He's been in training. And They're a bunch of chickens. On. Their ass is chickens, and I, and I'm Colonel Sanders. Who is the greatest wrestler that ever lived besides yourself, me. Johnny? Now, come on, besides, besides me? yourself, be a little gracious. Who is the best? Uh, at it? Man, I would say probably my loved Abdullah the Butcher, mm-hmm. um, uh, in uh, Gorilla Monsoon was a oh, hell of a wrestler. The Haystacks Calhoun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to go with my grandfather. He believed, you know, he loved it. He loved that fucking wrestling. And I mean, he'd be yelling and screaming at the, uh, I, you know, he's my grandpa's fucking out of his mind. But uh, you know, <laughs> I get caught up in it too. Real. <laughs> I saw him yelling. I'd start yelling. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he, you get yeah. caught up in it. It's easy <laughs> to get, get caught up in. God knows that I've become <laughs> obsessed. And I'm like, fuck you. But uh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> The Iron Sheik too. He was something, right? The Iron oh, he Sheik. was. I mean, he's amazing on your show. For all, the, oh, I mean, yeah. I loved when he was on your show. Yeah, he was the best. Gonna fuck everyone in the ass to humiliate them. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's a real Stick man's move. move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Cactus Jack, uh, he was good. Uh, oh, we used to have him on yeah. all the time. Yeah. Gold Dust was my favorite. Jack. Gold Dust was the guy who had Tourette's, and he go. <laughs> the Mongolian stomper. Yeah. Well, look, man, you're part of it now. Now, now you, now you got to make man, your mark. You're going That's down it. in history. Oh, I'm going to make a mark. There's going to be there, there going to be a lot of skid marks when those wrestlers. I sling them into the fifth row. Right. Will you shock their balls at all with the, that that big stun thing you carry around with you? No, no. I don't. I'm not going to need any props. I'm going to shock their minds. They're going to be flying through the air wondering how it happened. Wow. Awesome. No atomic right. wedgies or anything? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. That's a good one, Robin. Thank you. I might, oh, by there the might way, be some that, atomic wedgies. That wedgie thing you do in the new movie, I love it. With that wee man, and he's hanging there with that wedgie from the machine. Oh, oh the triple wedgie? The yeah. triple wedgie. Did you dream that up? Is that one of your stunts that you wrote down uh, in your little journal? God, I don't know. You know, I think Zach... Uh, came in with uh, a wedgie idea, and we just like kind that. of turned it into a triple wedgie idea. Oh, nothing funnier than wedgies. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> See that fucking fabric going up some guy's ass with the balls and everything. It's just great. All right, Johnny, listen. Go enjoy the rest of the day. What do you got planned? More promotion? You're like a promotional machine. Uh, more promotion. I'm flying to Vegas to do a uh, 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 screening for the UFC and Dana White. So nice. I'm going to head to the airport after this. What an exciting life. 
Look at you, yeah. Johnny. You made it all the way from Tennessee. Look at you. Uh, best thing come out of Knoxville's I-40 West, Howard. Oh, can I ask you one last question? You said on some stunt your eyeball pops out. When your eyeball pops out, do you mean it pops out of the socket and, and like is hanging out of side of your eye? I mean, it, like, it wasn't mean? hanging, but it popped out of its socket and it was way past Marty Feldman, right? Really? Yeah, it was. That would scare me. That would, that would, that, you know, it's your vision. My God. Do you, can you see out of your eye when it pops like that? It all went blurry. As soon as the eye popped out, it all goes blurry. It went offline, right? Right. And how did they stuff it back in your head? I tried to push it back in, but then I was like, (sighs) don't touch it. And I had to go to the, the emergency room. And, uh, what had happened is I had powdered. The doctor said I had not broken a bone. I had powdered a bone in my face. It just disappeared. And mm-hmm. and when I went to blow my nose, it pushed my eyeball out of the socket. I went to blow the blood wow. out of my nose. And oh. uh, it was bad. I couldn't I wasn't allowed to sneeze for six weeks. Wow. Which was how do you scary. Stop, that, yeah, how do you stop yourself from sneezing? That gave me such anxiety, Howard, because I have allergies and I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna make it six weeks without sneezing and and then like after i went to the hospital and they assessed the damage and i get back and four or five days later i'm walking around with chris pontius and he's so funny he is so funny he Uh said something and i i got an eye patch on and i grabbed my nose to laugh and i put and i laughed and held my nose eye pops out again oh that's putting pressure in there it was the it was like oh such I don't know why I did that. Because <laughs> you, know? you weren't thinking, you know what I mean? You, you, yeah. you forget. You forget. Yeah. Oh so that God, was a scary are... one. That got to my head a little, you know? Oh. Dude, you are so hardcore. I, I said to my wife, Johnny should have been in the military. He would have been like a tremendous asset fighting. You well, know? that's true bravery, Howard. Uh, it is. That really that's is. That's the true ba- bravery. I, uh, I've, I'm just... Uh, brave every now and then they have to be brave 24 7 that's the ultimate bravery in it yeah geez those guys are hardcore but yeah. i i think you i think you know what you should do a movie where you go through the navy seal training i bet you'd get through it i bet you would you would never give up <laughs> well i i the training part i don't know how much i would great i would be at but i would be fully committed to whatever the mission was yeah like i could see them drowning you and like you know and you're just like okay I'll stay under here. You just, yeah, you don't know. you have to like walk through rooms full of tear gas with no yeah. mask and all? Yeah, Johnny's that like, stuff? Johnny's like, yeah, don't make me wear a mask. I, that's no fun. <laughs> my, my Achilles heel is the cold, though, Howard. Cold water, yeah. cold weather. Uh, so I may bow out on those. Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure when you become a Navy SEAL, they'll test you somewhere warm. Yeah, okay. yeah. can I only warm do water. missions in Aruba? <laughs> but wouldn't wouldn't it be wouldn't waterboarding be like child's play to you? Like if somebody waterboarded you, it'd be like, ha 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 ha! This is funny. Make sure to get well, a camera on this. You know they're not going to kill you, right? Right, right. It's right. just an uncomfortable thing. <laughs> uh, you know. Have you tried it, Johnny? No, I haven't. I haven't. So I am speaking out of ignorance. <laughs> well, next time we see each other in person, let's have some fun and waterboard you and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> see if your eyeball pops out of your head. Well, listen, thank oh God, God you're thank your America is one of America's greatest assets. Thank you so much for being here today, Johnny. It's like Johnny's like, yeah, don't make me wear a mask. I, that's no fun. 
my, my Achilles heel is the cold, though, Howard. Cold water yeah. or cold weather. Uh, so I may bow out on those things. <laughs> well, we'll make sure when you become a Navy SEAL, they'll test you somewhere warm. Yeah. Like Can I only warm do water. missions in Aruba? <laughs> but wouldn't wouldn't it be wouldn't waterboarding be like child's play to you? Like if somebody waterboarded you, it'd be like, ha 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 ha! This is funny. Make sure I get well, a camera on this. You know they're not going to kill you, right? Right, right. It's right. just an uncomfortable thing. <laughs> uh, you know. Have you tried it, Johnny? No, I haven't. I haven't. So I am speaking out of ignorance. Well, next time we see each other in person, let's have some fun and waterboard you and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> see if your eyeball pops out of your head. Well, listen, thank oh God, God you're thank you're America is one of America's greatest assets. Thank you so much for being here today, Johnny. And I congratulate you on your new movie, Jackass Forever, which was ten years in the making, if you ask me, because Johnny yes. uh, stayed away for a while. Premieres in theaters Friday, February fourth. I recommend it. Um, it's very, very, you know, Johnny, uh, speaking of the military, Johnny uh, plays a general at the start of the movie. He gets his uh, head smashed in by a Godzilla penis, which uh, I found particularly amu amusing. <laughs> so he does have a military fetish. Uh, yes. There you go. Listen, I could talk on and on and on. I could talk about the spider helmet where the guys put on helmets and they, you know, but it's enough. Oh, there's stunt after stunt after stunt. Yeah, I mean, very I love the stuff. human ramp where you know, all the oh, guys light thank up. You, oh, thank you, Robin. Plywood. I know. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that with my crew. I'm going to human ramp them. Uh, they need it. All right, Johnny, good luck with the film and uh, good to see you. God bless you. Thank you guys there so much. Is. We really appreciate it, Howard. Good. All right. Lots Robin. of love. Say hi to all Naomi. Right. That's right. I will. There you go. Poor Naomi. She uh, puts up with Johnny every day. <laughs> oh, you know, I wonder, does she go to see those movies or can she not watch no. them? No, she's had it. The woman, the woman's beaten. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't ask. Like, oh, my oh. God. Oh, look, uh, my husband has a concussion. Great. I, <laughs> Great. Can't wait How to take care it? of him. He yeah. got, he walked into a bull ring. <laughs> <laughs> you got to question all that. But all right, there you go, uh, Johnny Knoxville. What a man, and what an interview, and what a yeah. what a what a delightful guy. Um, what what more can I say? All right, Robin. Uh, we'll see everyone tomorrow. We'll find out about Bobo's punishment, uh, what Ralph ruled. We have uh, yeah. so much more to get to, but it's enough. Time we did enough. Sentence. That's right. See you tomorrow.